here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. XF, go listen to some boring podcast where, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome back to the most popular wrestling podcast in the Isle of Man. I am the king. That is true. That is, okay. All right. I was wondering where you were going there. That is true. Okay. I was, was going to say we are not the most popular worldwide. Or I, I don't know where you were going there, but we are indeed the most popular in the Isle of Man. I believe we can confirm that. In so, Dallas. Okay. Sorry. Is that true? Well, did you see the numbers for Dallas? I mean, I, Dallas Dallas is a big market. I can't imagine anyone's. Doing You're big in Texas, Joe. I mean, I mean, those Dallas numbers are, are just, they're almost unbelievable. So we have the Isle of Man and Dallas on lockdown. I, I, that's fine. I think is fair. You got to, you know, you grab your niche and, and you dominate it. And that's the, we've, we've dominated those two. So big time markets. But anyway, <laughs> I'm the king of banter, Joe Lanza. How, and, uh, I'm here with the, uh, secretly sassy, rich Krejci, a man who badly wants a boat. And we're here to give you another <laughs> rousing three hour edition of the voice wrestling podcast. But rich, here's the thing. When you ask me to do the intro, this is the intro you get. You know, you're rolling the dice when you ask Joe Lanza to give an intro. You know you're going to get a lackey intro. You're lucky I didn't just lead off with facing the facts uh, with the intro. Yeah, what happened here? Uh, what happened? To, we, we did not face the facts on Sunday or Tuesday, or are we ever facing the facts? What's going on, well, Joe? Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> As the foremost Kurt Hawkins expert. Uh, you know, me and Kurt talked. Yeah. And, you know, you guys, we're not going to face the facts here today either. Because it's, you know, we're just going to keep trolling you guys and making you wait to face the facts. <laughs> I know I promised you a bunch of Joe Lanza facts this week, but you know what? I, I, listen, you're not getting them. I, I don't think the audience deserves them yet. Well, like, like Kurt Hawkins, it should just come out of nowhere. You know, it shouldn't be should something advertised. It, it, much right. like with Kurt Hawkins, it should come totally out of nowhere. You shouldn't <laughs> expect it. You shouldn't know when it's coming. And, you know, you, you can't really – see, I think what he's doing is brilliant. You can't announce that you're going to face the facts. You just got you got to get hit with the facts. You got to get hit right upside the head with the facts. And we got a lot of facts to get to today. This is a loaded edition of the Boys of Wrestling podcast. I don't know if we're going to get to all this. We keep cutting the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame talk every week. It gets cut from the show. There's no way we're getting to that. We don't even have it on the run sheet, or do we have it on the run sheet? We have it on the run sheet, but it's all the way at the bottom, and, and yeah, we're, we're not getting to that. But One of these weeks, we'll get to that, and we'll expose our ballots. The voting deadline is in two days, so I guess after we vote, maybe we'll come back with uh, this week or the week after who we voted for. Um, but we're probably not going to get to it today because there's just way too much, Rich. There's uh, a ton 
It's, it was a nuts week. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like, I mean, no mercy was something that after Sunday, it, it was something that everybody was talking about. Everybody's buzzing about or whatever. That seems like it was months ago because then we had a King of Pro Wrestling on Monday, which we'll of course talk about. Uh, we have some news and notes about uh, power struggle, of course, coming up in November. Uh, Pro Wrestling Noah has a bunch of stuff going on. And then in America, I mean, that's, that's just Japan. What's going on? <laughs> and there's other stuff in Japan we can't even talk about. In America, you have Billy Corgan suing TNA and Dixie. You got Goldberg returning and then Kenta slash today with Tommy getting hurt. And and God, we haven't even and like as we're doing this, as we're recording this, like more like NXT news is coming up that I don't even know. Like we can't even get to that stuff, can we? Like it, like you know what I mean? Like that's like ninth on the list is like oh by the way you know. But careful now, I don't do spoilers. Careful I don't, yeah, now. I almost did it because I don't want to do spoilers because I'm thinking I'm like you know there's gonna be people that you know because when, when it comes to, <laughs> to either yeah. <clears throat> yeah or NXT. There's a lot of big whiny yeah, babies out sorry. there, and if you say something, they're gonna get all mad. And you know, <laughs> to steal from our boy uh, Mark Maxwell, they're gonna need diaper changes if you, if you say the spoilers. <laughs> so you got to be careful, Rich. You know how people are with the spoilers when they leak we'll, we'll, to, we'll bury it in like 2:45 when nobody listens anyway. So that that'll be perfect. Rich, so. we could read the TNA Impact spoilers verbatim off of a sheet. <laughs> say a word. But as soon as you do an NXT spoiler or a Lucha Underground spoiler, it's it's oh yeah, that's unethical. Yeah, what do you think you're doing? You know, it, it's the same as a television. But it, it all comes down to whether people enjoy the product or not. So I, if I were you, Rich, I'd be very careful. Yeah, I, I think I'll steer clear of that. But Here's one anyway. we can give away. I think. Look, we can't give away. Yeah, you know what? We might as well not do any of them. We, I don't want to deal with it. Do you want to deal with it? Because I don't want. No, I don't. Go on Twitter if you want to really be spoiled, but it's not hard to find. Like lot going on. Or go to your go to your local uh, wrestling news site, the uh, 411 Mania. Go to your Observer. I, I think you'll be able to find it pretty quickly there. So uh, I, I tell you, I tell you, forums, I tell you the, like, the one we can give away. There's one we can give away. okay because everyone knows Hideo Itami's hurt. So it was announced say, that T.J. Perkins is taking his place and teaming with Kota Ibushi. Correct. Think yeah. of that. I think that's a great move. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as like considering they have, you know, <laughs> very little time to decide who who's going to fill in, what's going to happen. And we we kind of knew this Atami thing. A, a, roughly a week ago, we saw the video of him sort of landing really awkwardly on, on that power slam. Um, and and or the, the yeah, it was it was power slam, correct? That that. Yeah, it was, a, was it back body drop or a power? Yeah, it was a power, it was a power slam. slam. So we saw the video of it like a, about a week ago or so ago, and everybody went, "Oh my god, that looks awful! That looks brutal!" And then it kind of just went away for a little while because apparently, according to everybody there, that and still people are reporting that that Tommy just kind of shrugged off the, the the doctor's help. He walked to the back. They did some posing and all that, and we kind of said, "Okay, I mean, it looked like a rough bump, but I guess he's fine." And then you know there was the worry of, "Hey, we haven't really heard much, but I guess that's good," or I don't know if that's bad. And like we're always kind of worried about Tommy now. I think that's that's the problem now. We've gotten to this point where we're so anytime we see a video of him or anytime we see anything of him and we're wondering, oh, is he okay? Is he fine? And then we come to find out, uh, I think Pro Wrestling Sheet was the first one to come out with it. And then, of course, it blew up everywhere. And then WWE.com and WWE's Twitter account officially had it where Tommy was going to be out. Um, we we just know months now, right? Or a while, is that all we, the word is? There's a neck injury and it's, quote, a while that he'll be out. That's all we know. Right. We do know for sure he's out of the Dusty Classic, though, which sucks because that's Kota Bushi and with Tommy, which was so... I mean, remember how awesome that was two weeks ago when we were like, yes, Tommy's back. He's teaming with Kota. This is great. And then it just... it That's this guy in, that, in WWE, man. I don't know. He, like, he was involved in a great feud with Austin Aries. Uh, he could be back for that match. I, I guess we'll find out when these tapings shake out if, if they announce that match or not. Um, as we record, we don't know. But... Um, 
you know, the, the, the thing about the, the Hideo Itami stuff is it's really – they really need to change the way – look, there was no reason in my opinion for Hideo Itami and Shinsuke Nakamura to be facing Riddick Moss and Tino Sabatelli in Largo, Florida. Literally Largo, Florida. This it time. was, yeah. I, I kind of had to get a laugh when it was in Largo, too. I was like, where was this? Because I hope it's not Largo. Oh, damn it, it's Largo. That's my go-to city <laughs> on the Florida loop to make fun of, but they were in Largo this time. In my opinion, when they hire these worldwide stars, and especially Nakamura, who we know didn't come cheap, Shinsuke Nakamura did not leave New Japan for a $45,000 a year developmental contract. Okay, I want people to understand that. Okay. I don't know what kind of deal Hideo Itami has, but I'm sure he didn't leave Japan for a $45,000 a year developmental contract. These are worldwide stars who you're paying a lot of money to, especially Nakamura. And to have them work in these Florida loops against green talent on money-losing shows is not a good – you're not getting any return on your investment, and you're not getting anything out of that. What, is, what are you getting out of that, of having these guys work in front of 200 fans – Okay, on these shows that are losing money, on a, a brand that's losing money. Look, if you want to keep these guys in NXT because you want to keep NXT hot, and if you want to book them on the nationwide tour, okay, the big time NXT tour where they tour the music halls and the mid-sized venues, and they're doing the three right. to five thousand seat buildings. Rich, I don't have a problem with that. Well, I don't. I should say I don't have as big a problem with that with certain guys. Okay, I don't. That's fine if they want to run a little third brand and tour the country. But putting these guys on the Florida loop is where I have a major problem because, okay, this time it's Hideo Itami, and it was because he was in there with a green wrestler who didn't execute a move properly, and now he's hurt again. Okay, It could be tomorrow when uh, you know Nakamura is working in Coral Gables, Florida, or wherever the fuck. Against some other greenhorn who does something stupid and, you know, maybe he blows out a shoulder or, or suffers a neck injury and is out for a year or whatever. And it what I mean, don't put the listen, the Florida loop is necessary because you've got to get these green guys work. But I don't believe that these big time stars should be on these shows. And it's unbelievable. It's like people on Twitter argue with me. Oh, you got to draw. Really? You have to draw to Largo? <laughs> Yeah, the extra the extra ten people in Largo that are going to come. I mean, let's be honest. Like, what do those shows do? I mean, two hundred, three hundred fans tops. Yeah, like I really highly doubt that. Like, and and that's not no offense to Kenta or or Hideo Tommy or or Nakamura or whatever. I I really like how many extra people are coming to those. I feel like it's the same people that come to that show regardless of who's going to be on there or not. I mean, yeah, of course. I, I get again, like, and that's what your point was is the draw to the big stadium shows or the, the big music hall shows, the big you know three thousand, five thousand seat stuff, the stuff around big events, the stuff around Royal. Rumble, the stuff around you know WrestleMania weekend, that that stuff. Yes, you absolutely do need those guys to draw, and I absolutely do get that. Like nobody has to explain that to us of why uh, you know different guys pop up on NXT and why you know Finn Balor was there for so long, and and why Nakamura is probably going to be there for as long as they're going to need him, and why every new guy that we see, we go, oh man, geez, that guy could walk onto the roster right now, and yet they're stuck in NXT. It, it's for those shows, which I get. I absolutely do understand that. I mean, I don't really, I, I, I think you can argue it, and and we have many times on the show, but I get that. I don't get – yeah, I'm, just, I'm like you. The extra 10 people that are coming maybe because in Coral Gables, you know, Hideo Tommy's – I, I just – I don't believe that. I don't know that that market is really 
dependent on top stars coming to their town, and that's why they're going to go. I mean, it, it's it's just I, I just don't think there is that. No, no, I, people I don't are just wrong. They're, they're, those guys aren't on those shows to draw. Those shows are losing money regardless. If Shinsuke Nakamura is working the Florida Loop on his salary, those shows are all losing money. Period. Oh, him alone, yeah, just paying and, him. And, don't, and, and those <laughs> shows, and look, not. the fact of the matter is that those, that Florida Loop are all lost leaders anyway. They're just there to get the green people work in front of live crowds. You, it, I think it's 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 just bad business. And it's, right, I'm and actually, it's, I didn't want to interrupt you, but they're ten bucks to get into those shows. Yeah, they're not making any money. Okay, so so say we have two hundred people, ten bucks. So we have two hundred bucks. I feel like Nakamura probably costs more per uh, time you're, he steps in the, the ring. Two hundred dollars, right? Dollars. <laughs> right. The gate is two thousand dollars. Will you stop that? They need these guys to. Try. They they don't need to work the Florida Loop. Is my point. It's bad business, and it's and as you can see, it's dangerous to put these guys on these shows with these green wrestlers. They shouldn't be in there with them, and they shouldn't be on these shows. And forget just being in there with green wrestlers. Why is Shinsuke Nakamura taking bumps in Largo, Florida? Why? Why is he taking bumps at all? Why is he even getting in the ring and risking a torn ACL? Why is he doing anything in Largo, Florida? It's ridiculous. And this is what you see happens. It's nonsense. He could hop down from the apron and blow out his knee. Is it really worth the risk to have him working in Largo, Florida? It's literally ridiculous. And I think a few people confused me earlier because I sent out a tweet and, you know, because people are really getting on Moss about it. And, oh, you know what? You're an unsafe worker. You're this, this and this. And I said, well, you know, he's training. He's still learning and accidents happen. And people kind of said, oh, well, because it's a star, like now it it doesn't matter if he, you know, dropped a trainee on his neck. And no, I don't think that that's good either. But I'm saying these things like these guys, they're training, they're learning, they're they're you don't want valuable assets with these guys that are training and learning. No, I don't think it'd be okay if he dropped another trainee or another, you know, relatively new guy on his neck. No, that would still be awful, but it's even worse when it's a 35 year old guy. That's already a huge star, you know, was a proven star elsewhere and that you signed for a decent amount of money to, to be something more than a guy that wrestles and puts himself in danger, uh, you know, working with guys that have wrestled for less than a year or for a year, you know, whatever, like a Nakamura, Kent is 35, you know, what's Nakamura? He's 36, right? Yeah, or thirty seven. And these guys, like but the- 36, 37. Like these guys are worldwide super. Like, and so this idea that that you know, no, I'm not saying it's okay that this guy is dropping people on his neck and he's an unsafe worker. Whatever. If you want to say that, say that. But he's still training. Like I'm not going to get on that guy for for what he did. Yeah, obviously you should be safer. You should be better at your job. But he's. What do we want out of this guy? I mean, what do we want out of any of these guys who are still learning? Who are still? It, it's the fact that we're looking at this and we're giving focus to it is because he was in the ring with Akenta and, and and with a, a Nakamura or whatever, which is in itself ridiculous. Like that that should never ever happen. Kenta it should never. And Shinsuke Nakamura should never be in the ring with those guys on the Florida Loop. Right, and that's that was only my point. I'm not saying it's okay to be an unsafe worker. I mean, people were confusing that or conflating that. I'm just saying I'm not going to get on Riddick Moss for 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 what he's doing because he's still fucking. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's new. Like maybe yes, maybe he shouldn't be doing you know in crazy moves or whatever. But like your point is, it's not. It, it's anything. It's it's Hideo could have been doing just a normal thing. He could have done his foot stomp off the t- uh, his foot stomp off the top rope and torn his ACL or twisted his ankle or broke it or you know what I mean. The fact is, what are you getting out of that value though? What what value are you deriving from him in the ring? Regardless of if it was Moss that hurt him, or if, like you said, he jumps down from the ropes and, and tears his ACL. The fact is you're not getting your value out of that. What the hell are you doing? Why are you? Why is he spending a second in Largo, Florida, in a ring with those guys? I mean, what, what are you doing? There's no return on investment at all. It's nothing but risk. 
It's just yeah. risk. Yeah, they're high risk, zero high reward. Risk, zero zero reward. reward. Here's who should be working the Florida loop. Okay, your Riddick Mosses, your Tino Sabatellis, your green wrestlers who are not on NXT TV yet, your green wrestlers who have just started on NXT TV, your your uh, your your Patrick Clarks, your people like that, and your player coach types. Okay, your Ty Dillingers should be working the Florida Loop. Uh, your uh, Austin Aries, if if you have no designs on ever calling him up, and he's just down there to be an eighty five thousand dollar a year. Player coach type, he should be, and I don't know that he is, but I'm using him as an example. You know, those type of guys, put them on the Florida loop to give these younger guys valuable experience with experienced workers, not people that clearly have value or you clearly have designs uh, to one day being on the main roster because there's no upside to it. It drives me insane, and I've, I've been making this point. For weeks and weeks, if not months on this show and on Twitter, it drives me insane that Shinsuke Nakamura is working these completely, utterly, and worthless shows in Florida when Raw is screaming for a number – this is a main roster screaming for babyface stars. House show business is dying. Ratings are plummeting, and you have this man working Largo, Florida, and it could have been him. It could have been him in that ring. Injuring his neck. Not that it's good that it was anyone, but it could have been him that, that broke his neck in that ring with this green, you know, kid who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Why? Why? You're putting, you're putting the wrong pieces in the wrong places on these dopey Florida shows that mean nothing. These Florida shows mean nothing. Whether they draw 200 or they draw 70, they mean nothing. It's the same thing. Why are they working yeah, these shows? Yeah, and honestly, I think you, you, you didn't, it didn't exactly make this point, but I think you could – okay, so say that in, in some perfect world that you want Nakamura to go there because you think it's going to add a bunch of tickets or whatever, then have him come in the ring and hit a, you know, a kinjasa or whatever and bounce. You know what I mean? Like what do you – why is he going you – know, why is Hideo Itami and Nakamura going you know, blow for blow with Riddick Moss and Tino? Like what are we doing? Not there, they're you not know? there to sell tickets. When they go to Peoria, Illinois and work a concert hall, they're there to sell tickets. When they come to Houston, Texas, uh, they're, they're there to sell tickets. That's when these NXT guys, they're not. Are they going to Peoria? Because I would love they're that. They're not trying to sell tickets oh. on the Florida Loop. Stop it right. with that. Okay? <laughs> and here's the other thing. You know what else I'm done with forever? Here, here's something else I'm done with. Uh, you know, these guys need to spend time on NXT because they need how to learn. They need to learn how to work WWE and they need how to, uh, to learn how to work on TV. I used to buy into that. And I used to be the first person to say it's not an insult to go to NXT because you have to learn the WWE way. And to an extent, I still believe in that. But I'll tell you what. I don't believe in that so much anymore. And you know why, Rich? The company taught me not to believe in that because they put AJ Styles and Carl Anderson directly on TV. And let me ask you a question, Rich. Are AJ Styles and Carl Anderson, who never worked WWE TV before, okay, uh, who've never been in WWE in their lives aside from some squash matches 15 years ago for AJ Styles, are those guys tripping over their feet when they're in a WWE ring? I think they're okay. Have they yeah. looked, have, are they, they looking in the wrong camera? Are they? No, I think AJ, AJ's very good at uh, staring off into space when the interview's over or turning his body to look at a monitor. He's got it. He nailed it pretty quickly. Are they facing so. the wrong direction when they hit their finishers? Uh, no, he uh, seems to be doing pretty well. Do they look lost when they're in the ring? Yeah. Okay. These, are, these are professional wrestlers <laughs> who've been doing right. it for almost 20 years, okay? And it's not hard to figure out where – it's not like the hard cam is like a really hidden thing. Like you go to a live show and it's, it's fairly obvious where the hard cam is. I feel like three times in the ring you're going to go, okay, it's that side. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Like, now, if you want to tell me, okay, Joe, 
But AJ Styles and Carl Anderson, these guys have been wrestling for 15 years. It's a little easier for them to transition. All right, well, then explain to me why the last month on Raw, how uh, Tony Nese and Drew Gulak and Lindsay Dorado and all of these cruiserweights who spent virtually zero time in NXT, aside from the Cruiserweight Classic, have gone right. Now, Rich, let me ask you. Have those men been tripping over their feet and staring into the wrong camera? They've been okay. Yeah, they've been pretty okay. Are they doing dives yeah. on the wrong side of the ring? Or are they- no, they seem to got it. Yeah, I don't know. I, that is it, weird. This, it's, it's so weird. This yeah. idea, this idea that seasoned professional wrestlers completely forget how to take part in a pro wrestling match when they enter WWE is the most overrated thing. I don't want to hear about it anymore, okay? And I used to be a believer in it. I'm not anymore because they put these guys right on TV and they do fine. They, they, they look just as good as they ever looked at your local indie or in TNA or in New Japan or anywhere else that they came from. It's overrated, Rich. I don't know if you're with me on this. I, re- I, am. I think that is so overrated when it comes to certain – now, now – I've always – for the record, I've always felt it's pretty stupid. But, but now, now, listen. I'm not denying WWE has their little quirks. You're not supposed to look directly into the camera. You're supposed to do uh, all, you know, they have, they're very particular whether you hook the leg or don't hook the leg on pins. They only want you to pin guys a certain way. There's only supposed to be like uh, uh, one pin break per tag match. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to do all your, you know, moves towards the hard camera. You're only supposed to do dives on certain sides of the ring. Look, I know all the little quirks WWE has, and there's million, and there's probably a million of them that we're never privy to, just little small things. But you, you know, when you're dealing with experienced pro wrestlers, that's a matter of an agent sitting down with a guy for 15 minutes before his first match, explaining those things, and then the professional wrestler saying, "Okay, God, that's all it is." You, yeah, no, and, and that's that's right. I, that's goes, almost the exact point. No, sorry, they, they no, go ahead. Do you want to finish? Spend yeah. a year in NXT right. to figure out what camera to stare into. I'm sorry, you don't need a year for that. That's a that's handing somebody a binder at TV and sitting down with an agent for a half hour. Okay, it's the most overrated thing I ever heard. And the other thing, I'm gonna let you go. But the other thing too that I keep hearing from people on Twitter is, oh, but they have to learn how to work WWE TV style. Oh, that's where I was well, going. Go know, ahead. Go ahead. Then you take that. Then. No, no, no. You do it. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, go was, ahead. Because I have another one too. I, I have two yeah. things that I'm. But I'll, I'll see how you do with this. You're telling me. That someone like AJ Styles or Shinsuke Nakamura needs to learn anything from anyone in professional wrestling, you can get lost, okay? And the proof is that AJ Styles just get out, got it, he just did it. Wait, he just did it. You're telling me Shinsuke Nakamura couldn't show up on Raw tomorrow, and if they told Shinsuke Nakamura, who's been wrestling for almost 20 years, and is one of the best wrestlers in the world, you're telling me if they told that guy, Shinsuke, give us eight minutes... Okay, but give us a chin lock during the commercial break that he couldn't handle that and face the right way when he gave the fucking Kinshasa to end the match. You're telling me he can't do that, Shinsuke Nakamura? You're telling me it's going to take him a year to learn that? You're nuts. Okay, you're crazy if you think that's the case. He can do it tomorrow. He could have did it the day he walked into the company. If we're being honest, that was really going to. I mean, that was kind of the crux of my argument that I was going to say is because we. I, I do hear that a lot of. Oh well, they need to work. How, they need to learn how to work. You know, this style and that style, and we're. You, you know, they have to do within time constraints and this sort of stuff. And it's like I. I don't know what we think that pro wrestlers are, but they're professional. Like this is what they do. This is their lives. They're not idiots. They know what the hell did you know? What I mean, like this is their lifeblood. This is what they do. This is how they make money. A lot of these guys that we're talking about have wrestled, like you said, twenty years, ten years. You know what I mean? Like th- this idea that you say, okay. 
you only have eight minutes. I know you guys thought you were going to get 12, but now you have eight because we got bumped by a commercial or whatever. And that these guys are going to freak out and go, well, I don't know what the hell to do. I'm screwed. I'm done or whatever. I mean, it, it, it's to me, that's patently like absurd because and, and you and I know when we've interviewed wrestlers on this very show and they're they'll tell us they're and I've talked to wrestlers, too. They're pulling up to the arena. They have no fucking clue who they're facing. They don't know what time they're on in the show. And this is, you know, independent shows or whatever. And maybe this is a little bit different level. But, you know, they pull up not knowing what the hell they're doing, if they're winning, if they're losing, who they're facing, you know, at what point in the match it's going to be. Is it going to be a multi-man match? Is it going to be a tag match? Is it going to be a singles match? And lo and behold, Joe, I don't know how they do it, even though these are like independent wrestlers. You know, they talk for, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and they're good to go. You know, we talked to Lance Archer about that a lot, too, of the language barrier. And that's another thing, too, that we sort of take for granted is like, yeah, okay. You know, for me, I'm kind of, I, I think of it as, oh my God, how do you even know? And they say, it's not a big deal. You know, wrestling is a universal language. We get in the ring with the guy and we go. I mean, if you're telling me that these guys can't adapt and change to, to this is where the camera is and this is where you do a dive and then we're going to go to a commercial break and the referee's going to tell you it's a break so you can kind of hang out or like the idea that they can't figure this out in a, a, a two weeks or like you said, a a 40 minute sit down with an agent or I don't know, watching wrestling, which they've probably done in their life. You know, like that's, we know all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're you and I know the quirks. So you said there's probably a million other ones that we don't know, but you and I just listed off or you specifically listed off what 30 different quirks that, that WWE does these little things here and there. These guys know that too. They watch it. You don't think these guys understand? Oh, geez, they're doing a pin to the hard kit. Like this idea that they're just like these idiots that you just take, you know, take the hood off and go, okay, I'm a monster. I'm an idiot. Like I only know how to do my one thing. I only know how to work Japanese, you know, Wrestle Kingdom main event level matches. I mean, we, we see that even with those guys, even with an AJ Styles or Nakamura or whatever, when the G1 comes and, and guess what? Their time limits are, you know, cut in half or whatever. Somehow, some way, Joe, I don't know how they do it. They figure out how to adapt to a G1 or they figure out how to adapt to a shorter show or they figure out how to adapt to a tag match or a six man or whatever. And then they also know how to adapt to a, a you know, a 40 minute epic main event. Somehow they do it. I don't know how they do it, remember, Joe. It's so amazing, remember, but somehow the rest- that these idiots can figure it out. I don't know. Remember the Wrestle Kingdom that Global Force put on American pay-per-view? And everybody freaked out because they were afraid none of the wrestlers were going to be able to hit time cues because they don't work off of time cues in New Japan. Did everybody hit their time cues that night, Rich? Everybody, Did everybody do yeah. all right? Did that show uh, run over the satellite yeah. time on pay-per-view? Uh, I think it was okay. Yeah. I think they did just fine. Uh, but, right? Yeah, but, I, 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 think if, <laughs> I think if you tell a 20-year pro that he's got 11 minutes, he can go out there and give you 11 that's, minutes. Uh, that's it's, what I mean. Like this idea that they're just these – Freaking idiots that just have no idea how to how to deviate from anything that they've ever done in their lives, and and they, like what are we, what are we doing? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it, like, it's like we're talking about Shinsuke Nakamura here. He's one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Yeah, I think he can figure it out. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, you know, if someone walks up to Carl Anderson on his first night and says, "Listen, guys, we only do one pin break per tag match around here." You think he's going to forget when he gets in the ring and, and do six of them? No, he's going to go in there and do one pin break. He's a, he's a pro. He'll figure it out. He's worked thousands of matches yeah. in his life. I think he can do it. And as <laughs> proven, and, and you can't even come back with, oh, well, you know, AJ Styles is one of the best. Of course he was able to adapt. The Cruiserweights do it every week. And they're working matches. With, and every single one of their matches have the commercial break, which you would think would make things trickier, right? But the Cruiserweights do it every week. They just go out there and they wrestle. And guess what? It's fine. It's fine. They're not out there tripping over each other. They're not completely lost, not knowing what they're doing. They just go out there and wrestle. Okay? It's not sending rockets to the moon. And this is what these men do for a living. It's really, it is the most overrated thing 
Yeah, we have to really remember that these are professional. Like, this is their job, and they know what they're doing. Like, they're not. I, it is just this idea that you need to spend all this time in NXT to figure out how to work a raw match. It's the most overrated thing. It's well, Finn Balor had to learn when to raise his arms during his entrance, and that took two years. So that, I'm glad he finally figured it out, though. It, it's, it's, uh, unfortunately, he can't raise his arm because he, he just had a major shoulder surgery. But um, it was worth it, though. Those two years where he learned how to raise his arm uh, in unison with his music. Um, that really paid off, though, I think. So I'm glad he, he was he able to He can't raise that. his arm now, but that's that's yeah. an entirely different reason. Um, it, look, NXT serves a bunch of different purposes for different people. I get it. Uh, it it's great for these – for people who are new to the – look, obviously, it's it's everyone's learning something different there. But when it comes to these world-class talents, which is what we're talking about here, I really don't think that they need all this time down there. I really don't. Um, and listen, if business was killing it on the main roster, I'd say, you know what? Hey, you know, leave knock down there until – yeah, there's no room. There's no room for a guy. We have this just exploded, bloated roster. We have no – where do we put you? What do we do with you? We have no creative for you. We got nothing. I mean, yeah. But, but this Hideo Itami injury should really be a wake-up call to them where you know you have this very valuable asset down there right now. And I don't want to hear about, oh, wait till he loses the title or wait till the Royal Rumble where to be impact. Who gives a shit about the NXT title? I mean – Realistically, at the you know, it's like, look, I love NXT. I like NXT better than the main roster. We've had this conversation a million times too. But when it comes down to you know what matters in that company, it's the main roster. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, and and don't get it too. I mean, we've we've said that many times, and I guess we have to kind of reiterate it every single time. I'm fine if they all want to go on NXT. I enjoy watching NXT. It's an hour every week out of my day. You know, the big specials come, and the big specials are always awesome. And they always kill it. So I don't care. But from a standpoint of like us analyzing the business, it's 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 absurd. They brought. Kevin Owens up while he was while he still held that dopey title, and he just went back down and lost it on a takeover, and that was that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that is not a barrier to he did, he, did, he unfortunately did not get a whole lot of time to uh, learn how to work that WWE TV style. And he's you doing know, terrible he's really suffering. Too. He's yes. suffering. He's really Absolutely. suffering. Absolutely, yeah, I mean, miserably. It's because the promos are different. You know where you look, how you. I mean, it's just he he he's he's lost. He's he has no idea what he's doing anymore. It's it's crazy. Isn't it amazing how a fifteen yeah, year six more months it would really. Yeah. It, it, I, it's just amazing how Kevin Owens figured it out so quickly, being a fifteen year pro who's been doing this his entire life it's so overrated <laughs> it's the most overrated thing and it's just it, it's it, you know it's I, I really don't think that that somebody's it, it, look this is it, they shouldn't be working the bottom the bottom line is this florida loop is such a it, it's it's so dangerous it should be your 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 ty dillingers and your austin aries types i have no problem with them your brian kendricks if he goes someone like that they should be working these loops good veteran hands to teach these guys not people with upside your guys with upside who aren't signed to your standard developmental contracts should be nowhere near these fucking Florida shows. And if you want to come back with, well, then how? They, what are they going to do? What, you know, what, what do you want them sitting home? Put them on the Raw or SmackDown tours. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe the the six hours of TV you have every week. Or, like, maybe. And if you don't even want to put them on TV, you can put them on the road. Right. You can put them on a house show loop. Or That's whatever. what I mean. Yeah. Just if you want to keep them busy or give them reps. You know, why isn't Nakamura – would it be the worst thing in the world to put Nakamura on the house show tour and advertise him and maybe sell some fucking tickets? Maybe see if he could sell some tickets? Would that be the worst thing in the world? I mean, so they, 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 this bevy of excuses, I'm tired of it. I, I'm just tired. It doesn't make any sense. If this is not a wake-up yeah. call, I don't know what will be. Um but I guess we jumped forward and did Hideo with Tommy. That's, that's fine. No, that's no, I think that's that's something we were passionate about this week. Yeah, we were passionate about this week. We were talking a lot about, uh, and about as it. But Tommy uh, personally, I really think he should go back to Japan. I, I, I listen. This is a guy who didn't come here, okay, to fuck around in Florida 
and 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 work fucking Largo, Florida. This is a guy who obviously had designs on someday being on the main roster. It is my belief that I, I don't think he'll ever make the main roster at this point. I, look, I had my doubts before he got hurt again, but I really th- and and even when he gets to the main roster, I don't see him as a guy who I think they're going to push. Now he probably doesn't realize that every pro wrestler thinks they're going to headline WrestleMania someday. Every single one of them. There's not a wrestler on that roster. NXT or main roster who doesn't lay in bed at night and fantasize about coming down that aisle for the WrestleMania main event. They all think that they can. And that's good. You should be motivated as a performer and as an athlete, even if we know as fans that it's unrealistic for 90% of them. I guarantee you Hideo Itami thinks that one day he's going to headline WrestleMania, especially a guy like him who's been a top guy everywhere he's been and, 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 and I'm sure has a professional ego. He thinks he's headlining WrestleMania one day. Okay. The problem is I know he's never wrestle, uh, headlining WrestleMania realistically. I don't even think he's ever getting to the main roster at this point. He's going to sit out this injury. He's got to rehab this injury now. He's got to start all over again, regain his momentum, then get on the main. Look, this guy's going to be 39 years old before he gets on the main roster. Uh, yeah, and that's I mean, and, and that's the thing, too, is like we know that main roster WWE, I mean, once you have a big injury or once you've had multiple big injuries, you know, Vince doesn't trust you anymore. I'm sure the entire company just kind of looks at him now. And, and, and it, it, it's not only just the injury thing, too. It's also that we all kind of knew it. When Finn Balor came in, it was like, oh, man. Like that was kind of a Tommy spot. Finn Balor came in and, and did it well and did it, you know, in, 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 you know, Tommy's stead or we're fine or whatever. And then when you get a guy like a Nakamura that came, comes in and again, like, I think you can have two Japanese wrestlers on a main roster. I think you can have two Japanese wrestlers on, on next year, whatever. I don't know that they do though. And that worries me with, with a Tommy is it's like, what does he, what does he give you anymore? As like, think of, okay, we know what he's capable of. We know what Kenta can do. And, and we're both big fans of Kenta or whatever, but think of just, you know, you know, somebody in that office that maybe just has seen some tapes of him, but still like, you really haven't seen anything from this guy on, on NXT, like if you really just just say that, like, look, you have no recollection of him in in, in Noah. You have no idea what he did in Noah, what he did in Ring of Honor, or whatever. You know him as NXT Hideo Itami. What has that guy done for you, except for a few different segments where he kind of came out and Triple H having to tell him, dude, please be yourself, go for it, do something, you know, really show us that we know why we signed you and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, you have seen almost nothing out of Hideo Itami. You've seen a few things, the, a few little glimmers of hope, and we know, and we go, oh yeah, oh he's so capable of so much more. But do, does everybody else like we we're, we're biased in that way, you know? And, and look, it's obvious to anyone who who isn't even a big wrestling fan that Nakamura clearly has way more upside than Hideo Itami. I mean, he's oh, not even close. Oh, certainly, yeah, far more charismatic. Uh, he's 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 got the size, everything they look for. He's just he's just a a, a better all around wrestler and has far more upside at this point. I mean, there's no question. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's one of the most charismatic wrestlers on the planet. Okay, uh, Hideo Itami is past his prime. Okay, his prime has end to me. His prime ended when he blew out his knee in 2009. He was having the best year of his career in 2009. To me, he was the wrestler of the year in 2009 until he blew out his knee. He blew out his knee in 2009, came back. He's been okay since. He's been fine. He's had his moments since then. But to me, that's when his uh, his peak his uh, his prime ended. I think 2005. It's about 2005 to 2009 when he blew out his knee. Okay, he's a guy who's past his prime already. His body's beat up. Nakamura is the much, uh, very clearly, uh, you know, you said Balor passed him by. Uh, Nakamura came in and, 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 and jumped him. And if they end up signing Kota Ibushi, which may or may not happen, he'll be ahead of him in the pecking order too. I mean, it's just the way it goes in terms of bringing in guys from Japan. If I were Hideo Itami, I'd sit down, I'd be realistic about it, and I'd say, look, I, I, there isn't 
I, I'm set back again. I'm going to come back. They're going to stick me on these worthless Florida loops. I'm never getting that big time uh, main roster money. And even if I do, I'm never getting that main event main roster money. He, if he's being realistic with himself, he'll sit down and tell himself that and he'll go back to Japan. Because I think if he goes back to Japan now, uh, you know, there, there's some things there. There's some opportunities for him with this Noah and New Japan stuff. Um, you know, and, and, and he's a much better fit there. He'll get pushed. And, um, you know, again, I'm not privy to his contract. I'm not so sure he, he, he wouldn't make more money if he went back to Japan than if he stayed in WWE because he's just, he's going to be stuck in Florida. Uh, you know, I just, you know, look, he's a guy where I, I really think it would be beneficial if he just packed his shit and left. I, I really do. I don't know where you stand on that. Um, I just don't think this worked out for him for a million different reasons that we've gone over. Um, some of which are out of his control, some of which are, are have to do with his uh, fragile body. Um, but it just it, – and some of which, look, some of it's on him too because his first run, he wasn't himself. And on this current run, we were starting to see him be more of himself and it was really starting to work. And unfortunately, we had the situation in Largo. Yeah, and, and one thing I have no, and I don't want to do like a, an in-depth like study of Hideo Itami or whatever, but remember when he was always just smiling and always seemed so happy to be in America and all that sort of stuff? I, you don't really see those much anymore. You know, I'm sure he still enjoys it. I'm sure he still loves it, but like that guy was so happy to be here and so happy to be in America. I remember that every day there was like, he discovered IHOP and he just, you know what I mean? Like how awesome was that when he was like, he was first here and he was just loving it and he had everything. And like ever since then, it's just been one thing after another and after another after another. And it's like, at what point do you just kind of go, okay, Okay, you know, where am I going? What am I doing? Because it bled into his work. You know, I said from the beginning, he he was just, he wasn't himself. He was, he was smiling too much. No, Triple H said it. I mean, Triple H, I I literally had a conference call said, I had to take the guy in a corner and say, be you. Be the guy I signed. Right. (laughs) And he was being the guy ever since he came back at that takeover and confronted Austin Aries. He was being the guy that they signed. And unfortunately, this another setback. I don't know. I'd I'd pack my bags and go. Uh, Mac Weldon Rich. Yes, yeah, let's get to this because they, uh, you know, they, they, they're a very loyal supporter of the show, longtime supporter of the show. Mac Weldon, we talked about them many times. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and of course, simple shopping. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies. Joe can attest to that. What is it, 90 in Texas today? You wearing your hoodie? I'm able to wear it at night. It gets down to about, it's, it's 98 during the day and about and 70 at night. So uh, it's been getting. It's like 42 here right now, and I'm wearing a hoodie. It is not a Mack Weldon hoodie because you took it, but that's okay because I'm wearing Mack Weldon underwear and everything else, and it's very good. But they have the most, again, comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants you will ever wear. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well. Two, they're good for working out, going to work, going on dates, everyday life, anything you want from there. You can get it. Go to MacWeldon.com. Get 20% off using our promo code VOICES. They will be, they want you to be comfortable too, and they will refund you regardless of the reason. If you say, hey, I just don't like these, you know, I got this pair of underwear, they don't do it for me or whatever, that's fine. You can keep it. They will refund you. No questions asked. You buy it. MacWeldon.com. Get 20% off using our exclusive promo code VOICES. You help us out and you help support a sponsor, MacWeldon. Joe, NXT. Anything else in NXT? Are we, are we spoiling it or no? Let's not. I want to, but I don't. I think you muted your mic. Hello. You muted your mic, didn't I you? Did. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't want to interrupt your uh, fantastic ad read there. New, yeah, it wasn't New Japan good. Pro Wrestling, Rich. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not spoiling NXT. We had King of Pro Wrestling, <laughs> big time show. 
uh, in a lot of ways for New Japan. And then a lot of news came out of that show. Um, first of all, I think we got to talk the business side of that show. I think this surprised everybody. I know it surprised me. I was thinking it would be with the lineup that they had for this show that about, I don't know, 8,000 fans would have been considered a pretty successful show in Sumo Hall for this lineup. They drew 9,671 fans for this show, which just um, – it, it shocked me to be honest. It was the biggest – I think Kadani said it was the biggest non-G1 um, Sumo Hall crowd since the year 2000 uh, in terms of paid tickets, which is uh, – pretty incredible when you think about it in 16 years last year's king of pro wrestling did 8300 fans for an okada aj style was it okada and aj styles i think it was okada. it was okada aj styles yes and it was uh shoot i'm blanking on it it was nakamura and i'm, I'm blanking on it. I'll, I'll look it up to figure out i i didn't remember this and now i forgot it so. that's all right uh but but and um just an incredible uh, financial success at the gate uh, to draw 9,671 fans to this show. Tanahashi um, Naito. That was it. Okay, I knew it was Naito, and I forgot. It was Tanahashi Strong Naito. show last year. Did 80, yeah, so that, those two pretty good matches right there. To do 8,300 fans, which is a good number for Sumo Hall for, for, for New Japan. And this show you know, nearly put 10,000 people, uh, 9,671 paid. I mean, just, just, just incredible. And it, it really – it led me to do some um, – attendance research on new japan i really dug in deep over the last couple of days and looked at some things and i I didn't go in looking for anything specific i just wanted to uh look over their year because that number stunned me so much and and you know i remembered um after wrestle kingdom there was sort of this uh sort of business malaise it didn't fall off the shelf but there was clearly some uneasiness with some of the bigger shows after Wrestle Kingdom, after the three main star, after those three big stars left, but I think they, it felt like they've been starting to rebound recently. They had a very strong G1, and then this number just blew me away. So I went back to the beginning of the year and I tracked the numbers, and I found a couple interesting trends. Um, some that confirmed some of the things that we thought. Some things that I think might surprise people. I haven't gone over any of this with you because, and that's been by design. I want to uh, hit you with this information fresh, so you know I, I didn't want to give you a chance to to analyze it before we came on the air, just to see if sure. any of this surprises you. So I kind of like when you drop stuff on me sometimes without me knowing that it's coming. But when I was going through these numbers, that's every show. I think that's every show we do. <laughs> three things really jumped at me, <laughs> and one of those things is Naito really has replaced Nakamura. In more ways than one, not just in sort of the slotting where we know he's kind of taken his role sort of as the uh, intercontinental champion slash the guy who main events every other month sort of guy, which Nakamura was. But even in more ways than one, he, he sort of replaced Nakamura, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, another thing I discovered was um, – and see, this whole Naito versus Okada thing that fans have going on. The Naito fans are going to think that I'm picking on Naito when I go through this. But the fact of the matter is I'm just looking at hard numbers and facts, and I think people are going to be surprised when you look at Okada versus Naito from a box office point of view. And remember, this show has been very much behind the idea that Naito has established himself firmly as a big-time draw in New Japan. And I'm not coming off of that stance. These numbers, in fact, have reinforced that for me. 
But I found some surprising data that I think will even surprise you, Rich, and is definitely going to surprise some of the listeners in yeah. terms of Okada versus Naito. Yeah, my, my one quick thing I'll add before we get to those is, and I've kind of had this argument with people on Twitter that are saying, oh, oh well, you know, Naito's doing so well and he's selling all these shirts or whatever. What does that mean for Okada? Oh, what what is it saying? And and I just don't know that Naito's popularity is necessarily a grand indictment on Okada, or that it can't be both, or that it's zero sum, that it's either it's either one or the other. It's either Naito is a star or Okada is a star, and there's not possibility that either of those two could draw. I've always thought that without doing this hardcore study, like you've said, I've said, well, hey, there's also the idea that they can both be stars. And that does help things. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't always have to be one man replacing the other, one star, and the other guy's a bummer. You know what I mean? Like, they can both be that. It's not a zero sum. So I'm curious what, if your findings sort of what they say for that. Well, and if you've paid attention to New Japan over the last couple of years, they've, they, they, they never just push one guy. They never count on one guy to draw. Um, it was a five-headed monster until those three guys. We talked about it all the time on this show. Where it was the five-headed monster of the last couple of years until the three of them left, until Styles, Nakamura, and Ibushi left. And then this year they had to find a way to replace those three guys, and it's been Naito, who has, has I think, has been a success in that regard. Uh, it's been Omega, who the jury's still out, but he's doing okay. I think we can put a, another slight feather in his cap for this show as well in Tokyo, King of Wrestling. I, I, I think I could give him a little bit. For sure, that. in the semi-main event spot, he definitely, he sure. definitely helped. And um and and uh, the fifth guy in in my opinion the guy that they're preparing for that is Shibata I think Shibata's never run sort of that fifth slot has always been sort of the never champion and uh, to me Shibata's a guy who they're slowly building up and I think we'll see them push him very hard next year and he's been counting on to draw on some of their smaller shows this year uh, three or four times already um so it, it's never one guy with this company and you're right it's not a zero sum thing and it, it's weird. And this idea that, ah, well, you know, they need to get the title off Okada and put it on the red-hot Naito. And, well, you know what? These numbers – let's get into the numbers, okay? Yeah, let's do it. I I looked at all the major shows for 2016 starting with February because I think much like WrestleMania, I think you would agree that Wrestle Kingdom is sort of the end of the previous year. And then you sort of start the new season – of the company yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fair way to do it. So, you know, looking both Okada and I, and, and listen, I didn't go into this intending to do an Okada versus Naito thing. It's just as I was pulling this data and doing studying against the year before, certain things became obvious to me and, and Okada versus Naito became one of them because look at this. 2016, when you look at the major shows, everyone says, well, not everyone, but there's a certain segment of fans who say, ah, oh, they're... Okada gets handed everything, and Okada's the only one who gets pushed. And, you know, Naito, I, I really think they conflate Naito's character and his gimmick with realities uh, to an extent with this. We've talked about this before. When you look at the, at the hard data, the facts, Okada has headlined six major shows this year. How many major shows do you think Naito has headlined this year, Rich? In, ma- in big six, buildings. Right? The answer is six. They've headlined the same amount of major shows. <laughs> the way you set that up, it's definitely six. It's, it? it's, you know, so it's like you, you, would, right. you would think that Okada gets every main event and Naito, Naito's just ignored. Now, listen. Oh, and by the way, one of them is the IC champion, too, Naito, and that's not going to end now. I mean, that, no, you know what I mean? Like, for as long as he's going to be that, that's going to happen. So. I mean, we just had a destruction tour with three major shows. How many did Okada main event? Trying to the think, three. was it any? I'm trying to remember if he no, he did the, the one answer's, right, or did he? The answer zero. Oh, I was trying to yeah the the Foley one that wasn't even a semi main event. Yeah, semi main. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, Naito main evented uh, one of the three destructions. He main evented the biggest of the three in Kobe. 
Okay, so this idea that Okada gets everything and Naito gets nothing—it's nonsense. It doesn't—it it doesn't it doesn't stack up. Now, Okada does tend to main event the bigger shows, but here's the thing: Okada and people don't want to hear this—he's the bigger star. He's a champion, and he is the bigger star. He's going to headline the bigger shows, and it's not as if he's not performing. Here's the data, Rich. Okada's six main events this year in major shows. I've got New Beginning in Osaka, Invasion Attack uh, Sumo Hall, Dominion in Osaka Joe Hall, G1 Night 1 in Sapporo, G1 Night 17 in Sumo Hall, King of Pro Wrestling in Sumo Hall. Okay, Those are the six shows. Out of those six shows, three of the six drew more fans than the same show the year before. Same show comp, year before, same building. So he's batting 500, okay? Three out of the six have drawn more fans than the year before. Of the three that didn't, New Beginning we can call a failure. That was the show against Goto that drew 5180. The year before was 7,500 for AJ Styles and Tanahashi, okay? So that show was a bomb. The other two that, that did not stack up to the year before were Invasion Attack and Sumo Hall, Dominion and Osaka Joe Hall. The Invasion Attack show... Drew 9,078 fans. The Dominion show drew 99.25. So even though they didn't match the previous year, you can't call those shows failures. Okay, they were a little down. Invasion Attack the year prior did 9,500. The Dominion show with Okada versus AJ Styles did 11.4. The Dominion show this year in Osaka Joe Hall with Okada, who was his opponent? Oh, man, you're really, I'm, I'm blanking. Naito. Oh, that's yeah. So if Okada I'm, drew eleven, I'm really failing. I'm really failing miserably so, here on my. So, here, here's my thing. Go ahead. The three shows where Okada did not match the year before, where there was negative growth against the year before, of those three, on two of those shows, his opponent was Tetsuya Naito. Okay, and again, people are going to think I'm banging on Naito here, but I'm going to get to Naito in a minute. But the facts are the facts. Okada has had six. Major building main events. He's had positive growth on three. He's had negative growth on three. And two out of those three with negative growth were against Naito. That's, that's not now, good. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing. I, I don't think it's bad because those shows drew both drew over 9,000 fans. So, listen, I'm not but, – but, but at the same time – Well, facts are facts. The yeah. idea that Naito is a bigger star all of a sudden and not getting treated fairly. Now let's talk Naito. Actually, let me finish off with Okada here. I gave you the three shows. Yeah, yeah, do that. The three shows where he showed growth. G1 Night 1, because I, there's something else that popped out too. A surprising draw for New Japan popped out of this, okay? G1 Night 1, Sapporo. This year, uh, Okada versus Marafuji, 55-33. Last year, Tanahashi versus Kota Ibushi, 54-90. Not massive growth, but they did more this year. G1 Night 17, A Block Finals in uh, Sumo Hall. This year, Okada Tanahashi, 65-98. Last year, Tanahashi AJ Styles, 56-58. And, of course, King of Pro Wrestling, which we talked about. This year, Okada versus Marafuji, 96-71, the most successful non-G1 Sumo Hall show in 15 years. King of Pro Wrestling last year, Okada AJ Styles, 83-02. Rich, who did Okada work with in two of those three shows? That I was going to say Marafuji. Yeah, that's a guy we better, we better talk about. I don't want to hear about Naomichi Marafuji not being a major star or a draw ever again, at least not for the rest of this year, because there's so much data to support that this guy helps numbers. First of all, Night 1 G1, we talked about that, but that was, you know, look, that was a nice Minor little draw. show, okay? Yeah. This show, though, where you have to give Marafuji a ton of the credit as Okada's opponent, 
I mean, with the success that King of Pro Wrestling had. And then when you look at when Marafuji left Noah to work the G1 tour, what happened to Noah attendance when he left? Yeah, plummeted. It plummeted. plummeted. Okay. People, listen, I'm, I'm not going to listen to arguments that nobody cares about Marafuji anymore. Okay. This guy bumps attendance for New Japan and he hurts attendance when he leaves Noah. Okay. And, and people have brought up that, oh, well, when, when he went back to Noah, the attendance didn't rise again. And that, okay, but that there, there's a possibility, too, that people just kind of said, yeah, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> or, like, we know that that in Japan, you tend to be very loyal to one. It, there's a possibility that a lot of people went, yeah, you know what, I'll just watch it Japan. Hold now. on a second. That's false, yeah. too, because they just had a Cork and Hall show that did 1,500 fans. And the main event was Okada versus Marafuji. Well, I was going to say, there, there's probably a reason why that popped up a little bit. Again, and then it's another feather it's in Okada's a, cap. Exactly. Is that he, you know, moonwalks into Noah and doubles their curse in attendance so Listen, yeah <laughs> yeah by the end of this i have another point to make but i, I want to do naito now okay yeah let's go. naito has had six major building main events this year in new japan as well uh like i said with okada three of his six have shown growth three of the three of his six have shown negative growth for naito six main events this year major buildings five out of the six have had negative growth Five out of the six shows Naito has main evented, big time shows, have shown negative growth against the year before. Now, again, the purpose of this is not to bang on Naito. This show screamed from the rooftops when Dave Meltzer was refusing to give him credit and refusing to say that Tetsuya Naito had established himself in New Japan. What were we saying, Rich? Oh, that he was a star, that he was he was quickly, you know, maybe he wasn't there yet, but that he was going to replace a Nakamura, that he was going to join himself, you know, he was going to become part of that drawing, you know, that top, whatever it is, top three, top four, whatever you want to say that, you know, we, it was the big five, probably not going to get there again, but a part of that top three, a part of that, you know, that upper, upper, upper echelon and that he was a draw, that he was, you know, selling shirts, selling merch, selling, you know, that, that he was there. He was at, absolutely in that conversation as, as, as a star of that promotion and a drawing star of the promotion. We talked about two of the shows already, Invasion Attack and Dominion, and those were both shows where Okada was the opponent. Both drew over 9,000 fans, by far the most successful main events that Naito has had this year. Uh, the other shows were G1 Night 8 in Aichi. That was the biggest G1 show for that block until they got back to Tokyo. That show, he faced uh, Shibata. It was Shibata, right? Yeah, yeah. That show drew 5,500 fans. The same show the year before drew 6,500 fans for a Tanahashi Yano main event. Uh, G1 Night 18, final night of the block, 74-77 this year. Last year, 75-57. Eh, pretty much flat, but down. Okay, down about 180 fans or whatever it is. Pretty much flat. Nakamura Okada drew 75-57 year before. Um, uh, Naito main eventing it this year. Drew. Now look, I would call that a win for Naito. Okay, this is why I'm saying I'm not bashing Naito here. Okay. Right. If we were if we were bashing him, we you would we would be saying, oh my god, he, the attendance dropped by five thousand with him on the. You know what I mean? We're, we're not doing that. I mean, we're talking negligible differences here. So that that's yeah, that's a that's a win because we were saying this would be you know at the beginning of the year, especially you know after January fifth, we were saying, oh my god, this company, what the hell is going to happen? They're done. Like not done. And you know they're not going out of business, but you know you lose three of your top five draws, it's not going to go well. And it has been fine. And, it ha- so, and he's Naito is held. He's held, he's held he's, up he's, just he's, fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but there's a larger point I want to make when I'm done with him. Uh, destruction in Kobe, fifty-four thirty-two for Naito versus Mike Elgin. Last year's destruction in Kobe, sixty-one twenty for Nakamura Goto. And if you remember, people were calling that number bad, the sixty-one twenty. The Nakamura. I argued against it. I said it was a fair number. I said it was fine because Goto. Okay, 
Goto is not a top of the card draw. We just talked about him. Uh, that's the that's the only bad uh, number Okada's put up all year has been against Goto. That new beginning show. I thought a Nakamura drawing sixty one twenty with Goto was fine. People thought that was a failure. Well, why is nobody calling drawing fifty four hundred fans the next year a failure? I, it's weird to me, and I don't think the fifty. Look, I don't think that fifty four was a great number, but I don't think it's a bad number against Michael Elgin. Michael Elgin hasn't been established as any kind of major draw. Point here: five out of six Naito shows have shown negative growth over the year before. Okada has shown positive growth in half of his shows. Okada not only has Naito beaten in the raw numbers, in the raw number of fans drawn, he also has him beat in, in, in percentage of growth, which levels the playing field. Because if you want to argue that Okada main events in the bigger buildings, that's fine. That's, yeah, I was going to say, that's going that's, to be kind of the, the, the counterpoint that you're going to hear from a lot of people. So yeah, I'm glad you went that, that extra mile to do the percentage. That's fine, so. but on a percentage basis, Okada's numbers still beat Naito's numbers. You can talk about t-shirts all you want. Okay, you can talk about going to shows and seeing 60 percent of the uh, people wearing Los Angeles T-shirts. But when you're talking about t- and listen, and I'm not taking away from that. OK, Naito has sold a shit ton of merch. You look at the top 10 list on, on New Japan's website at any time and six or seven of the items are Los Angeles items. And that's a feather in Naito's cap. Again, we're on your side. Naito is a major draw at this point. I'm not arguing with that. But Rich, here is what I am arguing. Okada is very clearly a bigger star and a better draw than Tetsuya Naito on October 13th, 2016. And if you're going to tell me he's not, counter the data that I just gave you. That's all that I ask. Counter the data that I just gave you. Because all I did was go down the list and pull up facts. He's drawn more raw fans and he's, and he's, he's shown more growth on a percentage basis as well. In fact, Okada has positive growth over the year before. Actually, that's not true. They both have negative growth. They both have negative growth uh, in total. But 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 uh, Naito's is 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 in a, in a deeper hole than Okada is in terms of, of on a percentage basis. And remember, two of the Okada shows that didn't draw, Naito was his opponent that didn't draw as well as the year before. Not that those shows weren't successes; they both did over nine thousand fans. But I mean, this this idea that Naito's a bigger star than Okada is not true. It just isn't. Okada's still a bigger star than Naito. Any reaction, Mr. Krejci? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's sort of, in a way, it kind of, it, it, it's a little bit more than I even expected. Like, I, I really did think that there would be a little bit more positive growth from Naito shows because, in my mind, he is one of those top draw. And, like, I, I'm still not going to take that away from him. I don't say that he's not because only, you know, like you said, the five of the six haven't grown. Because I still think when you came up with a lot of those numbers, other than that Goto number, for the most part, a lot of those, you know, yeah, they were negative, but they held relatively steady. And I think that's a positive. I think in that sense, you know, I think don't take away from this thinking, oh, my God, those guys, VOW's burying Naito and everybody that loves that's, Naito. Listen, or whatever. We're not, that's how that's, yeah, we're not doing that listen, at all. I yeah. know that's how it's going to come off. That's not my intent here. My intent was this. Also, this surprised me too. No, we're giving him credit for the fact that he was he, he was able to stabilize. I think that's what exactly. we went into this year at January fifth. If you listen to our show after Wrestle Kingdom and after all what we heard about all those guys leaving, Styles leaving, Abushi, you know, officially being gone, you know, Nakamura bouncing, we were saying for them to even remotely come close to stabilizing their business would be a monumental success this year for New Japan. Just being able to say, hey, look, our head is still above water. We're still okay. It's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll kind of get this. We'll build it up a little bit. But stick with us. We're, 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 that's what we want out of this year. Remember, that was 2016 was if they can keep their head above water, we're good. They've done that. 
And in Okada's case, he's done even more than that. And I think that is really what I, I and I guess that's sort of your point that you're trying to get overall is that, you know, yes, I'll give credit to Naito for keeping, you, you know, holding steady for most of those things, not having monumental drops. But let's give some credit to Okada for not only, you know, for growing that business, because I wouldn't have seen that coming. I don't think you would have seen that. I don't think anybody would have seen that coming that at this point in October of 2016, we'd say that one of those guys Okada has almost, you know, and I'm not going to say single-handedly because there's been other guys, but he's really done it without a Tanahashi being there for a lot of it, with Tanahashi being kind of a nothing. With these shows, I mean, go back to last week's when we're previewing this King of Pro Wrestling. We're perplexed at how a show with just Okada and just Mirafuji is not stacking the deck below them. And, and we heard these rumors of, of high ticket sales, and we didn't, we, you and I didn't believe it. We flat out just said, I don't know. That seems weird. I, whatever. We'll find out. And now we, you know, after that show, I think we've all conf- we've all at least kind of reaffirmed that is okay. Okada's a draw, and Mirafuji's a draw, and like I guess we just have to again, just I, maybe not get in our head that this narrative that Okada is is struggling as the top star. He's he's just not. I mean, it's just not. It's not rooted in any reality or any fact. Where is the argument that Naito has surpassed Okada as a star? I mean, I mean what, t-shirts. What is the argument? Yeah, t-shirts. Yeah, it's t-shirts. Yeah, it's what else? t-shirts and, and crowd reaction. What people will bring up, but, but but you know, you look at ticket sales and you look at the data I just gave you, and you look at the fact that um, it, it, it's it's it, look the, the the two shows where you know Naito drew best were against Okada. Okay, I mean, you know, I I heard people giving Okada credit. Uh, I'm sorry, Naito credit uh, for when Okada drew those two big crowds an invasion attack and dominion but doesn't king of pro wrestling sort of throw that out the window naito wasn't in a money drawing position at all and okada's opponent was marifuji and it was uh, you know arguably their most successful show of the year uh the two highest g1 a block shows were main evented by okada and remember one of the storylines of the g1 was that the Okada character was annoyed that Tanahashi was getting more main events than him. But when the dust settled, the two highest-drawing G1 A-block shows were both main evented by Kazuchika Okada. I, I mean, so it's like, you know, I was, I, I was a little surprised. I've been on, I, 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 in Camp Okada, but I was even a little surprised at the results of, of, of some yeah. of this data. Um, and again, I don't think, look, I don't think this should be, this is not a negative this doesn't hurt naito in my eyes but what it does yeah. tell me is that they are not making a mistake with continuing on with okada as as the top star in the company and naito as sort of the foil and the replacement for nakamura which i, I wanted to get to this too the one event that naito main evented that had growth over the year before was wrestling duntaku okay that was the show yeah. where he defended against ishii Ishii, that's your yeah. 5299. Last year's wrestling Duntaku was Nakamura Goto. Again, Goto, 5180. So eh, they beat that by, you know, a hundred or so fans from the year before. But this is what's interesting too, Rich. Of Naito's uh six big time main events, three of them, three of those shows that he main evented this year were shows that Nakamura main evented last year. He really has been slotted in Nakamura's position. Which is fine, and that's I think that's the, the the overall thought that I would take away from this, and what I kind of and I'm glad that you, you kind of reaffirmed with the, the data is that 
they can be, they can both be good. You know what I mean? Like the idea that, and, and it kind of sucks that like, I think people are going to end this conversation going, oh, they totally slam Naito or it's Okada versus Naito. And it doesn't have to be versus anything. Like we have talked about this. I, I don't know why we're still trying to adjust with this in New Japan, but we saw it with Nakamura. We, we know what this thing is. It's 1A, 1B. You know what I mean? Like if you want to really differentiate that, if you if you don't want it to be number one and number two, that's fine. Then make it 1A, 1B because that's what it is. That's what it's been for years now. When you have a guy like a Nakamura, they said, why are we wasting this guy in the semi-mains let's have a main event his own shows and the business held steady and in some cases it actually grew a little bit because people loved nakamura and he became a bona fide you know one b draw to a tanahashi or 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 and later then to an okada or whatever and okay that's fine then naito is just now a one b to okada's one a that doesn't mean that one of them is is crap and the other one is is great or that one's you know plummeting and the other guy's a star that this guy doesn't sell merch and this guy does like it's fine to be one a one b that's that's great you should want that. You should root for that. Both men can be stars. And I think we're seeing that in this year. And that's a tremendous accomplishment by New Japan to have this idea where, where a year out, again, go back and listen to that, that, July, that January 5th or whenever the hell we recorded after that day. It was doom and gloom. Everybody was going, I don't know how they, you know, the, the business is going to tank. Like, there's no way that they're going to be able to sustain this. And, and the fact that Naito has been able to fill in that Nakamura role is a definite accomplishment for him and for New Japan. Hey, and that's listen, a good thing. We should celebrate it. We should celebrate it. We laid this. it out and it ended up on Reddit. We laid out the scenario, and it's almost played out exactly how we said it would. We laid out the scenario where Naito would replace Nakamura, uh, Tanahashi would take a step back. I have to find that thread. Somebody did a pretty good job of that. Let's let's. I, I, oh, and, 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 and and Omega would be the other guy. Would be the fourth guy. See how close we were. And it's exactly. I'm telling you exactly what we said. And and then we said Shibata would be the number five guy. And 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 that's exactly how it ultimately ended up playing out. Um, and that's not to pat ourselves on the back, but that's exactly how it's played out. And they, and the Naito thing has undoubtedly been a success. But I think you said one A one B. Looking at this now, look if if I did this and 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 it came out where five out of Okada's six main events had negative growth and five out of six of Naito's had positive growth, I'd be on this podcast right now telling you that maybe they need to switch gears and go all the way with Naito. Uh, but that hasn't – there's no data to suggest that Naito is a bigger draw than Okada. There's none. There's zero. There's none. The two biggest houses he drew were against Okada. I mean where's the argument other than the T-shirts? And if you want to make the T-shirt argument – and I'm not really discounting the T-shirts. But if you want to make the T-shirt argument, okay, in 2013 or whatever it was, were you making the T-shirt argument for Prince Devitt then? Because Bullet Club merch, you couldn't keep it on the shelves. Okay, it was just as popular as this Los Angeles merch at the time. Were people calling for Prince Devitt to get pushed to the top of the card? I don't remember that, Rich. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you remember it? I don't. I don't remember it. How is it any different? I, I you know, I, I, you know. Hell, I, I, that was even. I mean, hell, you, you couldn't been, go to an indie show. You couldn't go to an American indie exactly. show without tripping over Bullet Club. You still can. Yeah. You still can. You know, Bullet Club at the time may have been hotter than than Los Angeles is at the time. Now, I don't know. It's probably very close, regardless. So, I mean, you know, T-shirts are, are nice. I'm not saying that's not a nice, nice thing to hang your hat on, okay? Uh, I, look, but it, it's like we've talked about for weeks and weeks. He's the cool act, and that's a good thing to be. But that doesn't always mean – that doesn't always translate because you have the most T-shirts in the crowd or because it, 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 you seemingly get better crowd reactions that you're the one selling the tickets. The data suggests that that's not the case. You still trying to look that up on Reddit or what? No, I, I couldn't find it. I, I did some searches. I, I, I got only know what exactly it was. It's exactly what was laid out, yeah. though. The idea that they lost three of their big five and that they needed to replace those three. And our idea was Naito could be the Nakamura, and that's exactly mm-hmm. the direction they've gone in. 
And um, and look, it's like look, Naito could surpass Okada. I'm not, look, things can change. Who knows? But here's the thing too, and I think um, Matt McEwen I think made this, and this was a great point. He's like, why is everyone in such a hurry to de-push an extremely popular 28 year old who's clearly a top level draw, who wrestles very well, who's in the prime of his career? who's tall, who's good-looking, who's everything they look for. Why is everyone in a hurry not to push that guy? What, what, what is the hurry to get the title off of this man and go with someone else when he just won it in January? What's the rush? And that's an excellent point. What is the rush? Rich, is business indicating that they should make a change? No. By everything I've just laid out? I don't think so. Of course not. So why? Why would you take the title? It's just, yeah, we, we live in a different time now. We're like, you know, him being, you know, him being pushed for, what is it now? We're going on what, what, four years now? Three or four? 2012. So four. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. So about four years now of him being pushed pretty high. And that's, that's, we're sick of him. We're, that's enough. We're done. We're, we've seen too much. Like, yeah, but he's not 30. He's like, not maybe. even 30 and he draws. What's the problem? Yeah. It, I mean, you could, you could sit here and tell me that you know he's he that he's the corporate stooge and everyone hates him because he reminds them of their salary man but but the numbers do not indicate that show me the data then i don't even see trends i mean the last show he just did had his most impressive draw yet a week ago against marafuji who does not get enough credit by the way Marifuji. no and, and that's I, I did want to bring that up a little bit is the weekend this weekend is what i really when, when I really kind of said, okay, we, we need to really start taking Okada serious again and start actually, you know, stop with this, this terrible narrative that he, I mean, that guy waltzed into Noah and doubled their attendance. Waltz, I mean, you look at those other Noah Corkin shows, and I, and I don't know if you did. I did a little bit. I think the last one that wasn't like a, cause there was that Genbo retirement show. They had a bunch of, they've had a bunch of stuff in, in, in Corkin that I didn't really count as like a, a strictly Noah show. You know what I mean? There was a bunch of other stuff going on and, and, and different things, but the last one that you can look at is just being a Noah show, just a show with, that Noah put on, didn't have any, you know, retirements. There wasn't any, you know, big thing. They had 600 people in there. You, you look at all of them since G1. Which is where they really plummeted. That, that yeah. first one during G1 when Marafuji and Nakajima weren't there did 800. And they never recovered until, until the tag match on the 8th with Okada and Yoshihashi versus Marafuji and Yano for the titles. That show doubled to 1,500, to over 1,500 fans. Noah was running the smaller setup. They were running the indie promotion setup in Cork, and that's how bad it had gotten. And Okada doubled it showing up in that promotion in that building which leads me to my next point rich unless and i tweeted this earlier unless you can talk me into someone in wwe okada is the best draw in pro wrestling this year give me someone else hmm. because wwe is always tricky for all we know what yeah, but, but it, give, that, yeah. Me, give me the guy and if you can talk me into someone in wwe i'll listen i'm not close-minded to it but the fact is where house show business is in wwe right now and where television ratings are who's the guy in wwe who is it give me the guy i just gave you okada's numbers and look they're not any kind of blow away super you know incredible but he he's at least you can you can definitively say he's drawing fans and making a difference when he main events who's making a difference in WWE yeah WWE is really tricky I, I never know WWE yeah. guy give me someone else who 
trying to go. With, yeah, I, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of guys. The other I mean, person you would say is Naito because of the T-shirts and the merch, right? I'm going to tell you who Naito is. I have the best comp for Tetsuya Naito. You know who he is, Rich? He's CM Punk. He's CM Punk. That's oh, that was a nice little buzz that happened right when you said that. I didn't turn my phone off. I'm sorry. He is no, it's good. It works. Tetsuya Naito is CM Punk. Okay, you go to a WWE show in 2011. Who who whose T-shirt was on 60 percent of the fans? No, CM Punk. Who got the loudest crowd reactions? No, CM Punk. Who was a heel in getting those crowd reactions? Like sort of a pseudo yeah. cool guy heel, right? Yeah. yeah. Who still gets WWE chance to this day? CM Punk. We, now we can talk about that. <laughs> was he? Was did did any of that mean he was the top draw in the company? No, we we the, the company didn't even think so either. I mean, they they clearly had him. I mean, that entire title run, if you remember, he was the second guy on a lot of those matches. It was you know, Cena was the main event and, in some of those. And even when he left, the business didn't. It more just importantly, either, the data backed it up. And this, yeah, it kind of stabilized. It, it was it was it was okay. You know, Money in the Bank even bank. even Money in the Bank, which we talk about as being this up. monumental show. 9%. Yeah, it was up, but it wasn't like 9%. you know, yeah. And you you said the key word. He stabilized business. But he didn't. He didn't. Hell, he didn't explode. You would think, based on and remember, he was number one in T-shirts for a while, right? If if I recall, wasn't that a big thing? He was the number one T-shirt pusher, the number one merch seller in the company. Yeah, yeah. Tetsuya Naito is CM Punk, and look, that's not an insult. CM Punk reached a, a very high level of stardom in that company, but he was never the guy. And 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 all the crowd chants and T-shirts in the world didn't change that. But it didn't mean he was a failure. He got he he achieved great. Look, he's on the Hall of Fame ballot because of that run. Let's face it: is he on the Hall of Fame ballot without that run? I mean, he's not. Oh God, no, no, God, no. Tetsuya Naito, CM Punk. I mean, I think it's a great comp. I'm I'm disappointed in pop pop harder for it. I, uh, no, I like it. I'm I'm thinking it. Yeah, I'm, I, you got me still thinking of like who are draws in other places. You you set me up with this big level question that I'm still trying to figure out a little bit. But uh, I'm I'm not doing well. He's, uh, he's right. You know what? He's 2011 CM Punk. Yeah, which is it's not bad. I mean, it kind of works for the character wise. It, it kind of works everything. everything. Yeah, it kind of reinvents himself. Yeah, I, gimmick, I like that. Yeah, that's, it's the that's same good. kind of gimmick. He has the same kind of counterculture pers- uh, popularity. He's he's the number one t shirt seller, and he gets the most crowd chance, and he gets these whether he's a heel or a face or not. You can make the argument then too: was Punk really a heel, or was he? You know what I mean? It was sort of like this gray area. Uh, it's like he's CM Punk. Well, and, and the thing that was awesome about that run, and I guess that's why it's a really good comp too, is that you had people that were, you, you know, I choose, you know, I'm here to the show because I like CM Punk, but I hate John Cena. But there was people next to you at a show, and I went to many shows in this era, and I can attest to that is that the person next to me was there just to see John Cena, did not care about CM Punk, and that's that's kind of what you you like that. That's good to have that, that's and that's good exactly to have that variety. We have here Okada, right. Cena. For all right, purpose. where half the people, yeah, which is fine. You know, half the people really like Okada probably still, and he's, you know, a big deal in the media there. We see him in all these pictures and all these newspapers and always glad hand with everybody and smiling or whatever. And then you have counterculture Naito who's doing his thing. You can have both, and people can choose which direction they want, but it's not zero sum. I think that's the thing is that, you, you know, when CM Punk was doing his rise, it wasn't like, all right, screw Cena, take him away, like, go away, stuff him in a box, get him out of here. We got a new guy. Like, you can have both. You can run them concurrently, and it actually, you know, it, it, it's it, it's fine. Like it works right down to well. punk sort of turning his gimmick, which may have been based in, in, in a small amount of reality into being, oh, it the, was. Yeah. into being the anti-company guy. It's yeah, Naito is CM Punk. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's modeling himself after him. You know, obviously, he, he, the gimmick's influence came from Mexico. 
to a large extent. But I mean, geez, even the whole anti-office thing that he does is CM Punk. The guy is CM Punk. You know, and it's like, now here's the key. Does he continue to, to grow as a star and become a bigger star? Because Punk leveled off. Punk never became the top guy. Can Naito become the top guy? I don't know. This is where people will counter and say, well, the company won't let him. Well, you know, I don't know about that. Sure, any company is going to choose who they think gives them the best chance to grow as a company. And I have no doubt that New Japan thinks that Okada is that guy. But what my argument to that is, the data suggests that they're right. That's all I'm saying. I'm just looking at hard facts. And I think Naito is a very, very strong 1B. Listen, this entire company deserves a pat on the back for not only sustaining through the three losses, but now they are thriving despite losing those three guys. Thriving. Okay? They're having their most profitable year under Kadani's ownership yet. And they're doing it without Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles, and Kota Ibushi. Think about that. So if you think I'm sitting here just bashing Naito, Naito's a huge, huge part of that because the merchandise is an enormous piece of that. An enormous piece of that. And that is a feather in his cap. This company's doing remarkable. Nobody would have thought they'd be doing this well 10 months into the year after this. No, months. us included. <laughs> I don't know. Nobody. And we kind of, we, we, we were, you know, like you said, we, we were laid right out about, a plan. You know, we laid out a but plan. I think we didn't think, we didn't know if it was going to work. I mean, well I don't. It's working. The G1 yeah, was I, a I, success I, over the year before. Yeah. This show was an enormous success. They've made more money than they made the year before. Naito's deal mm. has completely exploded with the merchandise and everything else. This company is, is and listen, and they're doing all of this, Rich, with something that you hinted at earlier, but we didn't really pound home. They're doing all of this with Hiroshi Tanahashi, who might be a bigger star than both of these geeks. Let's be honest. They're doing it with Hiroshi Tanahashi working the mid-card. They're doing it with Tanahashi working the mid-card. He lost to Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. Okay? He lost his little IC feud or whatever and then got hurt and they did the injury deal. Came back at G1. Remember... He came back with his Ace of the Universe shirt, which people totally bought into that storyline. Oh my God, they don't even—they be- don't believe in Okada. They're saying Tanahashi's the Ace of the Universe. No, you dopes. It was a storyline. It was a storyline impetus for Okada. They didn't put—they haven't pushed Tanahashi. Tanahashi's been working eight-man tags, fourth from the top, while Okada is drawing ten thousand fans in Sumo Hall. Can we stop? And you can't find him with a search party either. I mean, we'll talk about it when this King of Four Wrestling show. I don't even remember him tagging in. Like, I, I forgot Tanahashi was. I, I forget sometimes that Tanahashi is in this. Pr- he'll come out on these shows and I go, oh, yeah, Tanahashi. Yeah, duh. Like, factor for, for the majority right. of the year. They're doing it without leaning on Tanahashi. Do you know how easy it would have been to just panic and put the title on Tanahashi and just make. Yeah, it's called Pro Wrestling Noah. We saw that many, many exactly. times with Pro Wrestling That's Noah. Yeah, with, with Kenta, the guy we talked about earlier. It was Kenta would come in, it wouldn't do very well immediately, and then, okay, Kabashi, it's back to you. Okay, there you go. Like, and, it's like, and it's like, you, you and it's like, um, here's the thing. It's like, they could have done that and it would have worked temporarily. It would have worked for this year. And then it would have just been diminishing returns from there. Okay, but they pro- he would have drawn this year, but they showed some guts. And they moved them down in the card. And they'll pop them back up when they need to every now and then. But they have very clearly established Okada as the ace of this company. And, and, and that was something that, that, that was mystifying to me too that people were saying, oh, he won this big match to become the ace, but he's not really the ace. Well, how do you figure? He, he's got – look at the look at the data. When's the last time Tanahashi made a event of the big show? You know when? G1 against Okada. That's when. 
Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's, is that? It's, and then, yeah, it hasn't, that, it hasn't been much. Beginning <laughs> or whatever when he was in the IC deal. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, this company has held up remarkably well and they've done well in, in a year which, admit it, look, we got DMs last week. It's like, it's, it's, they consider this a, 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 a um, they consider this is a year where they're taking chances and trying different things and they consider it themselves internally a transition year and they've still done this as well. Which, which, you know, not everything they do is going to work. The Yoshihashi thing they've tried. They tried headlining with juniors. Uh, they're trying Elgin. They're trying Naito. They're trying Omega. Some things are going to work and some things won't. They're going to find out. But next year is when the dust settles and they're going to take a deep breath and they're going to say, oh, okay, Naito's working. Omega's working. This is working. This isn't working. That isn't working. Now we're full steam ahead with our new plan here. And next year is going to be a year where they really settle in. And people are going to look back historically at 2016 – as sort of that transition year, but they've done remarkably well for being in, in one admittedly to them even as a transition year, their most profitable year yet under Kadani. So, I mean, you know, that, that, that was some of the business stuff I wanted to talk about Yeah, with King of Pro Wrestling being um, such a big business success. But um, did you have anything to add to that or? No, not really. I think I really I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get into the King of Pro Wrestling because I think, you know, we talk about a business success and it, it absolutely was. I think from a creative success, too, I really like the show. This might have been my favorite New Japan show this entire year. I don't know why. Like something about the show just from top to bottom. It just seemed like everything was going in a decent direction. Every story had some good purpose to it. Every match was was at least somewhat good. Even the Gorillas of Destiny had like an like an OK match. Like everything that they did this entire show, I kind of said, yeah, I like this. And the fact that what, what happened in the main events, we'll, we'll, we'll get to those a little bit. Everything seemed to have a lot of purpose, and I don't know what it was about this show, but when it was over, I just said, yeah, th- you know what? I really just think this might be my favorite New Japan show the entire year. I just thought this everything just clicked with the show, and then when I saw the business, I went, wow. It, it really like it, it, It's really coming together for them in 2016 after what had been a rough patch, and, and we, we've been saying it, too. I know you know, we're, we're, we're Bushi Road Mecca, and we get the checks or whatever. We've been pretty critical about a lot of the stuff they've done. We've been critical about you know what directions they're going in, what they're doing, you know if they're going full steam ahead with certain guys, what... Ever since basically the G1, it's been a clear idea of where we're going here. And I think a lot of that is establishing a Kenny Omega, which we'll talk about. This show is big about that, of saying, okay, no, this is our man. He's established. He is going to be the main event. This this guy is is ready to go. You know, we've seen that since G1 where it was it was kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like we were at that period a little bit before the G1 wondering, and you and I were on this show saying, is this Kenny Omega thing working? Are they, was it a good idea to run with him? Is it, you know, he's got one foot out the door. I mean, we were having these conversations. Remember those? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're, we weren't sure what the hell was like that this guy was even going to last through the year, that he was going to bounce like Kodobushi in, in October and never come back. Like we, we legitimately thought that that was a possibility. And f- since G1, it's been full steam ahead with him. And I think that's helped stabilize the company a lot. Uh, the Okada stuff, I think, has been really good and seeing him sort of rise up. Naito, I think, is finding a nice little balance as the IC champion, as that 1B that we've talked about. Everything is really just kind of coming together really nicely here, leading up until Wrestle Kingdom. So I just when when the show was over I just said Man, they're, they're really clicking right now. They're really, they, they got it figured out of what they're going, you know, what they're going to do, how they're going to get there and, and where they're going. And that, and that's, that's important to me. I really do like that when everything's, when everything's clear, when you can end a show and know exactly what that company wanted you to think and wanted you to kind of do when it was all said and done. Yeah. I, look, I think this King of Pro Wrestling show was a success from every single angle. Um, it was obviously we talked, uh, you know, ad nauseum about how well it drew. 
But again, yes, I think the booking was on point on this show, and I think the matches were really great too. This is a- the in-ring has really been. I mean, I think people are, are really underrating how good this last half of the year in-ring has been for New Japan. I mean, and a lot of that is Omega really stepping up. Uh, again, like I'm bringing him up again, but him having like every time he's out there now, you're getting awesome. You know what I mean? Like that you're every single time where you weren't getting that when he was doing his elite stuff and he was still kind of working it through his character or whatever. That's gone now. I mean, that guy steps in the ring and creates greatness now. I mean, he has done that every single time out in big time matches since G1. You know, Shibata O'Reilly we'll talk about a little bit. I mean, this, this show top to bottom, I mean, the top level matches the show every single one of them was awesome look omega's so smart he knows when to step it up and he knows when he need he when he when he can reel yeah. it in and and you know and and he's just he's one of the 10 best wrestlers in the world i'm fully confident saying that and i knew he would be when his time came and he has proven look he has these big matches and they're just all incredible and he's the guy who needs to step in to that aj styles role you know if naito's stepping into the nakamura role Omega's the guy who has to step into the Styles role. And I'm not, I'm still not sure. Look, in ring, you know, people thought I was nuts when I said that I had full confidence that he could match AJ Styles in the ring. And he has. But it's, it's the thing, the, the, the other thing I discovered that we never got to, I, I'm, AJ Styles is really underrated as a draw in New Japan when I was looking up these numbers. Rich, look at some of these numbers last year. Oh, he was a monster, yeah. First half Other than that year. first year, that, that first match, that first one was the only one that, if I remember correctly, that bombed, and the rest of them were just awesome. Since I mean, then. none of them really bombed. Look at it. it oh, you mean the first one? At, like, in, the first, Yeah, yeah, whatever uh, that was. Was that a Dominion? or was, a, I, I forgot what it was. That, that, that was just, 2014. I'm talking about yeah, exactly. uh, once yeah, he yeah, established yeah. himself last year, he, he headlined New Beginning, Invasion Attack, and Dominion. Um, the three three major shows in a row, he drew seventy five hundred, ninety five hundred, and eleven four in those three matches against three different opponents: Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi, and then Okada. AJ Styles was the one constant in all three of those events, and they were all hugely successful. And then he had main events later in the year too. I mean, it, you know, it can you know, I, I may have underestimated myself what they were losing with AJ Styles. Uh, you know, I may have downplayed that now that I look back at the numbers. So Omega really does have huge f- shoes to fill uh, from a business perspective. And we're going to find out real quick at Wrestle Kingdom, <laughs> you know, since he's headlining that show against Okada, you know, how close he can come to filling those shoes. We know the company's confident, though, especially when they hold shows in Tokyo. They're, they're, they're very confident in Omega. And look, the push couldn't have gone any better. It got a little murky in the middle. The beginning of the push, and now as we've seen from the G1 onward, uh, look, they've, they've certainly set him up for success. He's done everything he can do in terms of in-ring and character-wise to set himself up for success. Rich, now it's just a matter of whether the fan it connects with the fans. And that's yeah. something that if anyone could figure that out, you know, every promoter in the world would be a billionaire if they could figure out that component of it. Because the push has been good. He has set himself up. Now we'll see if it connects with the fans. Uh, speaking of him, I, we'll talk about his match with Goto here in a little bit, but did you see uh, in the press conference how he's sort of building his match with uh, Okada? Uh, no, what do you mean? Did you read any of the transcript? Well, he, he kind of basically had an interview and said, you know, oh, I was always, everybody always doubted me. I was too small. I couldn't do this. I, I worked in the smaller promotions and Okada was handed everything. Uh, right, right. Ah, weird. <laughs> what a shoot. Omega shoot on Okada. Yeah, take that. There you go. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a formula that's <laughs> like, obviously I, been successful and he, you know, he's yeah. going to play off of it too. So Shooting on him. Yeah, take that. Rainmaker. 
I mean, yeah, it's basically the same. It's a template. We we now that's that's what you, he's again. Yeah, I think your your comp. He's John Cena now. Everybody just rags on John Cena for being the company guy right. and smiling or whatever. And then they do their thing, and everybody goes, "Yay, fuck that guy!" Yeah, yeah, I don't like John Cena. I like Kenny Omega, and you know, and then there's people that say, "I like Kenny Omega," or like, "I like John Cena still." I don't care. So yeah, it's it's a really terrible I mean, dynamic. It's kind of his gimmick. He's just a rich corporate asshole, you know, and and yeah. and, and, and that's kind of his deal. And it's like, you know, people say... Oh, we'll talk about this match. I mean, if you think Okada's a smiley baby face that does all the good things, like, you didn't watch this match, this main event of King, King of Pro Wrestling all that well. Because he, he wasn't. He was kind of a dickhead at the end of this. We'll talk about it. Yeah, so King of Pro Wrestling, why don't we start with the main event? It was Okada and Mara, and Marafuji. Um, again, set up by the Marafuji victory over Okada at the G1, where which was a match that I loved, where Marafuji just picked Okada apart with chops and uh, it was really a match where Okada had no answer for Marafuji, and Marafuji went on to win the match. And uh, this was sort of similar where Marafuji, I thought in this match, the word that just kept popping into my mind, I thought Marafuji worked this match like a fucking assassin. I mean, oh, he was brutal. He was brutal. He was just throughout. all over Okada. He had answers for everything. Uh, incredible counters for the Rainmaker. Um, you know, he had, you know, he, he was exhibiting the, the confidence from the match prior, even in the closing stretch where his mannerisms, where he was like sort of saying, come on, come on, and like waving him in with his hands. Marafuji was so good here. And I know I'm going to let you run with this one because you think this is the best Marafuji performance you've ever seen. Isn't that what you said? I did, yeah, and I, I really do. And I, I don't know if that means it's like the best match I've ever seen him in, but as far as like an individual performance, I thought he was amazing throughout this entire thing. Amazing. I thought like, because he's a guy that I really, you know, sometimes his offense can kind of bore me and I get kind of, you know, those Noah matches, I can get kind of, yeah, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's probably the atmosphere of Noah being one thing, but it's also just like, I don't know, his work doesn't really always excite me. This time I thought he was on point through the entire match. I thought he just had a clear idea of what he was going to do in there, how he was going to work, and, and, and he worked to the story perfect as well. I thought my favorite spot of the entire match, and, and then I'll let you kind of, finish your thoughts there my favorite spot it, it kind of leads to your assassin thing is he did that that pile driver on the apron which by the way is just a sickening looking pile driver too so Okada's out on his feet has no idea it's 18 he's still not even up he gets up at 19 and slides in at 20 you know right before 20 and what does Marifuji do he just fucking drop kicks him right as he comes into the ring you know what I mean like doesn't let him in doesn't let him collect his thoughts doesn't let Okada kind of slide in and go okay now you're back up let's do this like Okada slides and he just fucking drop kicks him right in the head and i was just like that's you know you don't get that sort of edge from Marafuji all that often and i liked it here because a lot of times it's just like he's just chopping a chop he's just kind of hitting the hit like that's our big thing with no i mean you 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 know on this show i've mentioned it multiple times before a lot of those suzuki matches particularly Marafuji suzuki and noah it's like this guy's invading your company and taking it over and then Marafuji comes in there and he's kind of wrestling around him for 30 minutes and it's like dude just beat the hell out of him like you want it this guy's invading your company like defend your company and and, and this was this was more of the Match that I thought I would get out of Mirafuji against Suzuki. You know what I mean? This was him defending his company against Okada. Yeah, and Okada's selling here was tremendous. Yeah, in I agree. taking the beating, and that's really an underrated part of his game. Uh, uh, he really does sell very well. He has great facial expressions. Uh, he sells damage very well. And then, um, and like you, you mentioned that you alluded to in the beginning, his comeback. Uh, you know, in the in the in the final third of the match was really Okada's vicious side. And especially, especially with hitting the Emerald Flosion at the end, which was sort of a fuck you to both Marafuji and to Noah. So remember, Marafuji won the tag match. Now, I didn't watch that tag match until after. I didn't watch it until yesterday, the, the Noah tag match in Cork and, and Cork and Hall. He beat Yoshihashi with the Emerald Flosion and then sort of like, you know, uh, insinuated that that's how he was going to defeat Okada 
for the title. And then Okada comes back and beats him with that move or uses that move sort of – and he didn't have to use that move. You know what I mean? He, it, it was almost as if Okada – Changed his mind midway through, like he, he was going to do his usual deal where he, you know, drives the guy's uh, head into his knee. But instead, he went with the Emerald Flosion, and that was really a fuck you to Noah. And and I thought that was just a great spot. And really, it'll probably be the spot that everybody remembers from this match. Yeah, because if people haven't seen the closing stretch, and you absolutely should. I mean, there were multiple points. I watched this unspoiled, and, and of course, I knew that Okada was going to win. And, and, but there were two parts where I legitimately like was like, "Oh my God, Marufuji might win this!" Like, and, and that's when you can do that. That's really rare that you can really make me, even though I know full well that Marufuji is not main eventing, you know, Wrestle Kingdom or whatever. But there were points where I had no idea. Like, like there was this. I, I think Okada went for a Rainmaker. This is after he. So okay, so Okada he clutched the wrist, similar to as, as he had done against Tanahashi or whatever. Then he went for another Rainmaker, but then Marufuji uh, countered it into a small package. It was really cool. You don't see that all that often, where guys will a lot of times when they counter the Rainmaker, they'll go do another big move or they do something like that. But Marufuji just was like, I don't care. I just want to beat the fight. You know, I just want to beat this guy. I don't really give a shit how I do it. Countered him into a small package. It was it was like a two point nine count. It was super close, and that was that was awesome. It was it was the crowd. You almost kind of thought for a second as well. And if you watch the English commentary too, Kevin Kelly and Carino really sold it well on their end too. Of like, oh my god, is he actually going to do this? Like everybody kind of had the same thought. You know, of course he didn't. But then Okada kind of gets back. He hits the pile driver, does his usual scream, and you think, okay, the rainmaker's coming. Then he hits the emerald flosion, and then he hits the rainmaker. Which again, we talk about Okada when he does that. He does it a few times. You know, he did it against Nakamura a few years ago, where he hit that extra rainmaker. You know, to him, it's not just that one move it's kind of what you do in between that move or what you do before that final rainmaker i think that's always an important thing if you get three rainmakers he's really pissed and wants to prove something if he steals your finisher which he you know he's done that in past years too he's stolen you know tanahashi's frog splash many times before i mean that that's a guy that again if you think he's just still a white meat baby face that just kind of smiles at the cameras and and does everything right he's still got an edge you know he can still be a dickhead when he wants to and this this was one of those instances where i don't think he's quote unquote a heel but he's kind of saying you know fuck noah you know what i mean like in a way that's kind of what he's saying he's you know fuck you marifuji and you know fuck you noah because the emerald flosion is a big deal in noah and you know okada just kind of spit on that and said well i don't care because it wasn't even what finished him off. He said, yeah, your, move, your move's kind of cute, but then here's my move, the Rainmaker. Okay, now you're done. Right, you know, right. that, that, that's important, too. He didn't pin him after the Flosion. He said, oh, I don't know. Hold on. Let me hit you with my move now. Okay, now you're yeah, done. Yeah, it was, it was clearly sending a message. It's like he yeah. didn't need the two extra Rainmakers against Nakamura at the G1 final two, a couple of years ago. That, but he's a cocky prick. So <laughs> That was him sending a message. I'm the man in chaos now, not you. That's what that, that was all about. And what this was about was, look, he didn't need to use this guy's move, but he was in a position. You know what? It was a lot like the Bucks last week giving that uh, uh, Indy Taker, Meltzer Driver, whatever it was, through the table. At the end. They didn't need to do that, but they did it you know, <laughs> to send a message. And it, it was the same deal with this. It was you know, in a, a great spot, very memorable, hits the Rainmaker, puts him away. Great match. Both guys were great here. Meltzer went four and three quarters. I think I went four and a half. Um, you reviewed the show for the site. Would you go four and a half or four uh, I went four and three quarter. I went four and three quarter. I really love. You went this four match. and three quarters. Dave went yeah. four and three quarters. And uh, let me just double confirm. Yeah, I went four and a half. Uh, just to use uh, Dave as the comparison point, sort of to give some uh, uh, perspective there, which we like to do. Um, typically, when it comes to New Japan main events or WWE main events, Meltzer tends to go a little higher than me. I tend to go. A little higher than you. I'm sort of the guy in between you two. This time, though, I was below you. But look, I thought it was a tremendous match. I mean, I thought it was a great match. Um, I loved it. 
I watched it spoiled and, and it still contained a lot of drama speaking to your point where if it's a match where the outcome really isn't in doubt and they can still suck you in on a false, that, that's good. That's indicative of good. Yeah. I was, I always talk about that Makabe Okada match from many, many years yes. ago. I think in 2013 at this point, and that was one. 12, where I, even I, 12. Oh, 12. Yeah. Was that 12? Jesus. I'm old, man. That was but that's what I always bring up. That was Okada's up. second title run, I think. Really? Wow. Remember geez. he won I'm it, old. then lost it back, and then Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was uh, that's that second kind of establishing run that he had. Well that that's one that I always remember of that I knew. I mean, there's no chance that Togi Makabe was gonna pin, you know, Kazuchika Okada. But that match at the there were multiple points where you went, Oh my god, Makabe is winning this match. And then when you can do that, and I can suspend my disbelief for even a brief second, you really got me. And that's this match did that for me. There was a point where I went, Oh my god, Gato, what the hell are you doing? Okay, he kicked out. Like, you know what I mean? Like for that brief moment, I was like, No, there's no way. Like, and that's good. I, I love that. I mean, I don't get that that often in wrestling anymore. I don't think so Okada good. gets enough credit for building drama in his matches. I really don't. I mean, you, you look at his history, um, you know, even outside of the Tanahashi matches, which I think so many of them are absolute classics, and even matches like that, the Togi Makabe match, he had a match against Satoshi Kojima that year, which was very similar. Yes, um, yeah, that one was. You awesome. know, and 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 this match here, where you 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 know you're like like um uh, like the intelligent part of your brain knows that he can't lose, but he sucks you in. And I, I think he doesn't get nearly enough credit. The guy is just a great pro wrestler. Um, can I, can I have a brief discussion? And I mentioned this in my review. Finish your thought. Oh, my thought's done. Go ahead. Okay. Okada's having a really fucking good year too. You know what I mean? Like we kind of always, you know, there's a lot of people that, ah, yeah, whatever. I'm sick of him. Look at the year that this guy's had. Joe, I'm going to, I'm going to list a few matches here for you. January 4th, 2016, of course, him versus Tanahashi. Five stars, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my embarrassingly number of years watching this fake sport. Okay, April 10, 2016 against Naito at Invasion Attack. An incredible match. I think I gave it four and three quarters somewhere in that neighborhood, four and a half. Okay, uh, May uh, against Sonata. Remember that oh one? Oh my God, yeah. Not great, no, it, but yeah. yeah, I mean, not, not fantastic, but good. Yeah, very yeah, good. Very, yeah absolutely. Uh, we got uh, June 19th against uh, Naito at Dominion. Right. Well, yeah, uh-huh. one title back, I believe. Yep, correct. Uh, G1 Night 1 uh, against Fuji. Pretty good, oh, huh? I love that match. I love it. Yeah, okay. Uh, he had a match against Ishii on the 6th. Oh, the Ishii match. Uh, August 6th. I mean, yeah, people, remember that one? people who give that five stars. Right. That wasn't yeah, one of them. Dave Meltzer. I think Dave Meltzer gave it yeah, five stars Yeah, he did. As well. I, I like the Fuji match better. Okay. But, but, yeah, but the Ishii match was great. I did match. too. So I did too. But, but that yeah, just that goes was... to show. I mean, he had a match that a lot of people gave five stars. And we, <laughs> we forget. Yeah. The Marafuji match was better. But go ahead. Right. Uh, August uh, 12th against uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Did you see that match? That was pretty good. Uh, that was you... the draw, and I, I gave that five stars that as well. Yeah. That, to, in my opinion, may have had the greatest closing stretch that I've ever seen. Mm hmm. And then this match against Marafuji. And there's plenty in between there, you know, tag matches, other stuff that he's other had. Other G1 but those matches are really that we're not talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was Togi Makabe. I remember he had a really good one against Makabe or whatever. I, that, I, I'm just going with basic, you know, five, six, you know, top tier main event, you know, big time shows. I mean, those are <laughs> like, you yeah, know? I know. I, I, listen, I hear you, man. He's got, he's got <laughs> a solid case for most outstanding. He has is. a solid case yeah. for wrestler of the year. He has a solid case if you don't count MMA for best major draw, but you know Conor McGregor's winning that. He's got a case. He's got a case for all the big big boy awards. Rich, he's got a real case for all of them. He really does. Um, you know, and and you just laid it out. So I completely agree. He's had a look. He's had match. He's had at least three matches this year that that various um, reviewers have given five stars to. I mean, that's how. That's how many years ago? I mean, geez. 
That's a great year. He'll be in. So, just wanted to point that out. Just wanted to point out he's had a pretty uh, okay year. He's so. probably going to, you know, there's a good chance when I look at all that, he'll be in my top three for all those awards, if not the top guy. It really, yeah, you, you really, that is a good point, and he really isn't getting any talk. Because I think you're right. It's this whole idea of people, for whatever reason, they're tired of a 28 year old wrestler who hasn't even reached his, his, uh, his prime, who's already this great. And for some reason, people are tired of this guy. Well, you know what? I don't know. To each his own. I'm going to enjoy this guy be great for probably the next 10 years. Yeah, There's no that's, reason I, I, he can't be great for another 10 years. I used to say uh, against – it was always the thing. I would argue with my friends, especially in Chicago, about LeBron James. I would say, okay, you cannot like him and you can think X was better and you're sick of him being a star and all that sort of stuff and you don't like him and Mal Jordan's better. But you're going to feel awful stupid in 10 years when this guy's done and he's gone and you're going to go, you know, I let greatness – greatness was in front of me and I could watch it at any point that I wanted and I chose not to. For whatever reason, I chose for, for, you know, I couldn't enjoy this. I couldn't enjoy when greatness was in front of me this early and you knew it. You knew that this guy was great. You knew LeBron was great and you still denied it because of whatever stupid loyalty you have to whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, Okada's great. And like people that, that choose to just ignore it and choose to say, oh, I hate this guy and I can't wait till he goes away or whatever. That's fine. You can do that, but you're going to feel really silly in 10 years. When you go, oh my god, that guy had a really great career, and I, I, I could have enjoyed it. I could have been there when it was all going on. I could have seen it from the ground up. We knew the second, you know, when that guy returned and when he pinned Tanahashi, everybody said, oh my god, this guy's a thing, and we knew that from that point. You know, like LeBron and like many stars in sports, we knew that from that point, and yet people still kind of find their things that ah, I'm sick of him. I don't like that. You know, he's not as good as X. You know, oh, you know, old New Japan was better. Oh, he didn't, you know, go through young boys matches. Oh, he didn't, you know, you know, I mean, like we saw this stuff on Twitter. We were laughing about it, you know, independently, you know, outside of you know, off podcast and off the air or whatever. We were kind of laughing about this stuff that people are, oh, you know, it was better when Tenzan was on top, and oh, I like 2000 New Japan, and he's a pretty boy and all that sort of stuff. You're gonna feel really stupid in 15 years. 10, 15 years when this guy's gone or when he's kind of a shell of his former self and people are going to say, oh, yeah, that guy had like a seven year run that I'll put up against anybody. You're going to feel really silly that you weren't there enjoying it live. You know, you know what I mean? Look, like, look, people, I don't like doing that. I don't like doing pe- that. I like enjoying stuff live. People, you know, I enjoy watching stardom. People like what they like. You know what I mean? But yeah, oh, no, no, absolutely. It's subjective. People like but, what they like. But at the same time, what's crazy to think about with Okada is he's only 28. It's as Jason Worth gets tagged out 40, 40 feet from the plate. I just <laughs> Nationals third base coach tonight. But uh, but anyway, I, my point here is Okada has at least 10 years of greatness in front of him if he stays, you know, if he doesn't have a debilitating injury. He's got 10 years in front of him. And what's scary about Okada is as great as he's been since 2012 over these last four years, he potentially has better years in front of him. Tanahashi's best years didn't come until he was like 35 years old. Right. Isn't that scary? Yeah, we talk about it all the time. We talk about that peak all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's terrifying when Okada gets smarter and, and he's already, he already has great psychology in his matches and he's already a great worker in all of those things, but he still hasn't reached his, his peak. As, I mean, he may have better years than this in front of him. It's amazing to think about that, how great this guy could end up being when it's all said and done. That's what happens when, you know, you're great by the age of 24. You know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's so, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about with this guy. Man, we are going to get pounded for this show. You know we're getting pounded. We are, yeah. This is, this is, uh, but, this is going to be a flame fest. But that's. But I mean, know. you know, I, we just tell it like it is, man. You know, I, these are our opinions. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, this guy's really fucking good and he really is having a great year. Yeah, I can't wait to. 
to read the Twitter machine after this. But uh, anyway, Kenny Omega versus Goto. Of course, Omega wins. Uh, he retains the IWGP Championship Challenge Certificate, and now there's no other challengers we know for a fact. It's Kenny Omega versus Okada at the Wrestle Kingdom, so that's good to go that we're kind of set with that. Another awesome match between these two. I kind of doubted that they would be able to, to replicate what they did. I still like that G1 match a little bit more. I, actually, I'd, I'd probably say a lot more. I really, really like that one. But I've seen people that put this one right up with that one, and, and, and you know what? Hey, I, I can't blame anybody who does that. It was really, really awesome. I thought it was just as good, if not better, than the G1 match. Uh, maybe a shade less. I went four and a half. You were the low man from everything I saw. I think Meltzer went four and a half, and you went like three and three quarters or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I mean, I and and I thought, um, you know, it, it's it's again Omega. It's like I said earlier. He really knows when to step it up. And I think that's a big key. And I really liked here how he did a little finisher stealing, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was a little extra wrinkle there. Um, Whereas in the G1 match, he went through all the finishers of his fallen pals, all his buddies, and all that. And, you know, and it went right back. He couldn't really finish him off until he hit the one winged angel. This time he tried to use Goto's finish. Uh, But yeah, this was a great match. I liked it a lot more than you did. Um, It's not like you didn't like it. But uh, again, Kenny Omega, again, in a big spot, another guy. I don't think he's having this caliber a year that Okada's having because there was that period where he wasn't doing much, where he was doing a lot of six-man stuff and, you know, intercontinental title matches with ladders and things of that nature. But, um, you know, ever since the G1, he's absolutely been on fire. Is he ever going to get that thing on his back ever healed? <laughs> like every he match keeps popping back open. Open. I know. That, that's been since that ladder match, isn't it? it, it that's been since like I April. Think right? in, like, I think it happened early in G1. Oh, was it G1? Early, Jesus. And, and he's had that thing forever. Like, just, I don't know. Like, he went through that table and then he stands up and there his back's all bloody. Like, God damn it. Like, dude. But. Every time it starts to heal, it gets popped open again, <laughs> yeah. is the problem. So, yeah. Uh, that was great, but I, I did I did enjoy the uh, my favorite spot of this entire match is probably that Goto uh, had the count out win and decided ah you know I'll, I'll bring Omega back in the ring and it was just the perfect Goto moment too it was just like the microcosm of his career that like he could have won but he was like I'll do the honorable thing and it just totally did not work but poor Goto it's all right one day Shibata Kyle O'Reilly what do you think of this one I absolutely love this match I thought it was all right I mean I don't think I liked it as much as a lot of other people did yeah I get, I get four and a half so I, I really you liked it more than me I went four and a quarter and a four and a half for you was like seven stars so <laughs> it, it's like um you know look I liked it a lot I mean I you know it's a match I get four and a quarter stars to you know um I did like the other two matches better but I and and look Meltzer loved it Meltzer just heaped all kinds of praise on the final three matches of, of this show um you know, right up there with the final three matches of Wrestle Kingdom, I thought the final three matches of Wrestle Kingdom topped these three matches. Um, I, I still think that's the best three match stretch to close a pay per view of all time. Uh, but yeah, I really like this. What I really liked was Bobby Fish screaming instructions from the outside. Screaming. Yeah, bite the hand, bite the yeah, hand, tell him to bite <laughs> the, the hand, best, yeah. pounding the mat. The and the other thing I loved about this, and it's becoming a trend in these Shibata matches, was the finish. Shibata has he, he he's he. He may have the most memorable finishes to his matches this year where this one, he puts the choke on O'Reilly and O'Reilly's fighting and he's fighting it. And then the mouthpiece just falls out of his mouth. You know, what a great visual that was. How many times have we come on this show and talked about the great visuals and Shibata's matches? Oh, the camera work is perfect too, yeah. Whether it's the blood trickling down his face, whether it's Bobby Fish being dead behind the eyes, whether it's Kyle O'Reilly with the mouthpiece falling out of his mouth. The thing about Shibata, he has this quality about him where it's about the visual, these, these, these strong, these beautiful yet ugly visuals in his matches. And, 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 and that's really something 
that sets him apart, I think, from the rest of the roster where you get this viciousness that creates just this beautiful ugliness at the ends of at the end of his matches. Yeah, I, I, what I liked about this one, too, is, again, the, the brutality of it, it, it. It was great, too, because, you know, Shibata had O'Reilly in a sleeper, and O'Reilly looked kind of loopy and kind of fell to his, you know, fell to, down, and, and, and Shibata hit the penalty kick, and, and he could have pinned him there. Again, like, you know what I mean? Like, he could have absolutely probably won there, but then he put the rear naked choke on, and then O'Reilly, you know, it, it kind of fighting it, kind of fighting it, but you could tell he was pretty well done. And then I really enjoyed the fact that, yeah, he kind of just... O'Reilly passed out. You know, the, the mouth guard fell. The camera zoomed in, and you can see the mouth guard just slowly trickling out of his mouth before it falls, and then it's over. And that, that I mean, that, that, you can't, you can't script that any better. You know what I mean? Like, we, we say you can't script that. It's wrestling. You can script it, but you can't script it any better than that. You can't have the camera work, get there. Like, the, the, the mouth guard is like halfway out of his mouth when the camera's zooming in, and then it falls. You know what I mean? Like, you, if you don't hit that shot, that finish is nowhere near as cool as it is, you know? And they nailed it, like they always do. Like I say it time and time again, they're so good at camera work because that 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 makes that match. People are still talking about that, the mouth guard piece. I mean, that absolutely made that match. So another kudos to to the uh, the TV production crew uh, at New Japan. Right? I mean, they just absolutely kill it every single time out there as well. So so that's the main three matches. Let's shoot to the top of the card now and yeah, yeah, through yeah, the rest yeah. of this stuff quickly. Uh, Tiger Mask W, who ended up being Kota Bushi. What a shocker! <laughs> what do you what? listen? I know this is breaking news, and I know this might be a surprise to some <laughs> Hold people. On. But this was, in fact, Kota what gave it away? Hold on! No, 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 no! What gave it away? Rich, I have it on good authority <laughs> that this was, in fact, Kota Ibushi. Huh? Okay. Um, I thought it was funny reading the Observer where Dave was like, um, he worked very hard to not work like. He actually did. He tried it the first time. Well, he didn't like tuck his hair into the mask either. Like you could obviously tell it's Kodobuchi's hair, but then yeah. He tried on. it once and Red Death Mask <laughs> countered it. And then he did it again. Like he didn't even – to me, he didn't even hide the fact that it was Kodobuchi. And then uh, Red Death Mask, who it was uh, an internet mystery for a couple of days who that was with plenty of uh, speculation. Turns out it was Juice Robinson stuffing those dreads into the mask. And I thought he did a pretty good job too, hiding his identity number one, and uh, also uh, you know working to this uh, bizarre character. Now the Tiger Mask W has been announced for Wrestle Kingdom already, but according to the Observer, it may not be Kota Ibushi. He agreed to do it this one time, and uh, we'll see if they uh, if they make it Kota Ibushi the second time around. He's a weird dude. I mean, it's like. He leaves the company on semi-bad terms. I don't want to say terrible terms. I don't want to say great terms. And then he agrees to come back as this Tiger Mask W in dark match. <laughs> I mean, he's just having the time of his life this year, freelancing, doing the shit that he wants to do. On one hand, I can't blame him uh, for going out there and just having fun in 2016. But man, is he a quirky dude. It's frustrating. It's got to be just maddening for these people. And, and I think he probably enjoys that, too, that everybody wants him. Everybody's just like, okay, how about you just come here then? Okay, no, okay, you're going to bounce. All right. Like, how many people in this this year alone have said, all right, Coda, like, welcome aboard, or like, come on back in, and like, you know, Evolve, he just does one little spot and buy him out. Okay, thanks. Bye. You know, anyway, WWE, okay, yeah, no, I, I'll do a little bit, and then I'm out. You know, he's in DDT, he's in Big Japan, you know what I mean? Like, he just, I, and that, I, I admire I, that. I do big battle. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. You know, and now he's Tiger Man. He just does, he just 
Do it. Yeah, I, I admire it, but yeah, it's just got to be maddening. And I'm sure from New Japan's standpoint, they would welcome it. If he wants to be Tiger Mask W, they'll do it. But I get from their standpoint where they're – and I mentioned this with, with the Cruiserweight Classic too. I don't fucking trust the guy, so I'm not going to say, hey, Coda, we'll see you January 4th or whatever. You're going to be Tiger Mask because you don't know what the hell he's going to do. He might not show up. Look, I, you know? look so. I, I'm still thoroughly convinced he's got a Kenny Omega program in his future. Um, Kenny Omega's too smart to tease something like that if he doesn't think he can deliver it. I think – I think Omega and Ibushi have discussed it. I think they have a long-term plan laid out. For all I know, New Japan is in on it, um, but they, they may or may not. You know what I mean? But for all I know, they're in on it. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Uh, it, it, I'll save that. I'll save that for a couple months. But uh, okay. that, that was Tiger Mask W versus Red Death Mask. Uh, and then we got into the show, which I thought there were really there was really no down points in this show. I mean, even the one match that I didn't like very much, you kind of liked. The opener was Chaos, which was Ishii, Osprey, and Yoshihashi against Adam Cole, Fale, and Yujiro. It was an eight-minute match. It was all action. I had no problems with it. Yeah, I don't really know if I had much to add. Uh, good, but yeah. I, there's it's a, really fun opener. Add, it's so. a fun opener, yeah. and the Chaos side won. Next up, we had Bobby Fish, Taguchi, and Togi Makabe, uh, and Toma Akihama, uh, an eight-man, against Beretta, Jado, Romero, and Yano. The only thing to take away from this is Rocky Romero got pinned again. No one ever listens to me, Rich. I tried <laughs> to tell everyone they were doing something weeks ago with this, and it's very clear now that they are. Uh, but Romero got pinned again. That's the takeaway here. Um, again, you know, a fun little match. Um, you know, it, it held my attention, and it was better than the usual match in this spot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I went uh, two and a half with it, which is, yeah, again, much better than you use. I mean, a lot of these for these usually I just kind of just give like one star because they're nothing. They're, they're, they're just baseless. But this was good. It was hot action the entire time. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, good for what it was. Pushed in advance the Rocky Romero uh, storyline with Beretta there. Next up, we had the eight man tag Noah versus New Japan. Shiozaki, Nakajima, Kitamiya, and uh, Maybach Taniguchi against Tenzan, Nakanishi, Kojima, and Nagata. The. Um, Noah side picks up the victory again. They are now two and one, effectively two and zero. Oh. No one really counts the uh, uh, what, what do they call the um, the New Japan Young Boy shows. The uh, can't remember what they call them now. Oh, the Lionsgate. Yeah, Lionsgate yeah, shows? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. New Japan won the match at Lionsgate, but you know at the, at the G1 final and here at King of Pro, the two Sumo Hall matches. Noah has now won. This I want to talk a little bit about because I thought G- Go Shiozaki was so good in this match, and I know you agree, and you'll have, yeah. you'll have stuff to add to it. He was the star of this match, and he really stood out. And it's just funny to me, because we talked about how Naomichi Marafuji is very clearly a draw when he comes to New Japan. He's proven it twice. And, and he's also a better worker, I think, when he comes to New Japan, which you talked about earlier. Um, but the thing is, it's like, it just goes to show, I really think based on what we've seen with Marafuji, that if they choose to, I think they've got something with Go Shiozaki. I know that sounds crazy because he's never been, you know, he's, look. Because it's Go Shiozaki. Right, he's been given title runs in other companies and it never really clicks. And on another day and another show, I have a theory as to why. And and I'm not going to get into that here because we're already running over time. But these New Japan fans, these sumo hall crowds, they fucking hate him. He is over on these shows. And... He's 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 doing such good work as like this prick, as this prick outsider. He's 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 exuding that character so well, and I think the match eventually that he has with Shibata, which looks like it's going to be 
uh, probably at I would assume at Wrestle Kingdom, um, which we didn't talk about. You know, he came out and 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 went nose to nose with Shibata after Shibata beat O'Reilly, and the crowd was so heated for that. They really were into it. And then Evil jumped Shibata from behind. So they're going to do the Evil match at Power Struggle first, which is which was smart. And then, you know, they'll do the Shibata versus uh, Shiozaki match at the Dome, which is – I think that's going to be a superheated match. And I think if they, if, if they use Shiozaki in a similar way that they've used Marafuji, I think they could be on to something with this guy. I really do. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I don't know if you uh, you check this out. People should definitely see uh, Jojo Remy, uh, who's actually in Japan. He's a writer for our website. He uh, he was at the show, and he actually had his live reaction that comes out basically about a day or so after we do our reviews. And this one in particular I thought was really good because he had a, a point about Go Shiozaki that I, I'm curious. I don't know if you had read it yet, but I thought it's a very interesting one that he – and I'll read exactly what he wrote in here. Again, This you can look it up. It's a New Japan King of Pro Wrestling uh, live reaction from Jojo Remy at VoiceWrestling.com. He said, uh, the disgusted reaction in the crowd had me wondering how many former Noah fans jumped ship for New Japan during Noah's decline. It's only speculation, but this would help explain the extra heat that Go Shiozaki gets on a cert on the blue mat. New Japan fans don't really have a good reason to hate Shiozaki, but frustrated Noah fans certainly do, you know, because he jumps ship, because, you know, we, we know the background of Go Shiozaki. Uh, and then, yeah, he's just saying, I'm really hoping that New Japan and Noah continue to build this interpromotional tension on various levels of the card. What do you think about that? It's a decent theory. It's not bad. Um, it's a guy that's there and, and kind of seeing it because it makes sense that like because there's an extra heat to go Shiozaki that that seems it almost seems out of place just a guy that just plops in on New Japan like more so than just a guy that's an invader I mean on this show in particular I mean that guy was just getting absolutely eviscerated and I was I was surprised by that and but I was cool with it like I was like okay you know you can't really argue with that reaction especially in the Tokyo it's not like it's just some one off random town that it's happening in I mean that's Tokyo that's a good reason I mean I, I hear that and I go okay you got something here go with this entire New Japan Noah thing is is clicking. Whether it's at the top of the card with Marafuji, or whether it's these eight man, these heated eight man tags with this great work by Go, it's all clicking and it's all getting over. And they really are on the something. And I really think it just goes to show it's really time and place a lot with these wrestlers. I really think if Shiozaki stuck around and became a member of the New Japan roster, or whatever, that they might really be on to something. And I know that's crazy to say because it's Go. But uh, with the amount of heat that he gets, I, I think they could really turn that into something. Uh, you know, we'll see moving forward where it all goes. Um, but I thought it was worth mentioning. He did score the fall here on, I believe, Nakanishi took the fall in this one. Yes, yeah. And they did another massive pull apart where it looks like the directions, they kind of had guys split off. It looks like Nakajima Nagata might be headed to something down the road. I, I would say that they're uh, <laughs> them slapping each other and slapping about it is probably a good idea that they're in there. But yeah, I, I thought that was kind of cool. You 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 want to see some different stuff out of there, but I, I really like that idea of a Nakajima-Nagata uh, uh, big-time match. But. Yeah, and every time they break off into these brawls, these guys always split off with the same people. Kojima splits off with Kitamiya. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to see another Maybach versus Tenzon match, <laughs> which we <laughs> no. saw at Noah a couple years ago, God, I think. No. Um, but. I mean, it, that's oh, not an accident not. that these guys pair off with each other in that manner. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, but I just – I thought Go Shiozaki was great here. I thought he's been great in the entire feud. And it just goes to show. I mean a lot, of, a lot of wrestling is being in the right place at the right time. You know what I mean? Go Shiozaki's never going to catch fire in Noah. He was never going to catch fire in all Japan. But you put him on these big New Japan shows and he just comes off like one of the biggest stars on the show. You know, it's 
it's amazing. It's it, it really you just never know how guys are going to be when you put them in different environments or how they're going to come off or how they're going to come uh, come off with crowds. Um, the Young Bucks against David Finley and Ricochet for the junior titles. Rich, I don't know. I must have seen a different match. I don't know. I, I I'll admit that I, I must have been wrong or I was. I don't know what because I'm the low man. You're the far low man away, anywhere in the universe. On I know. I don't know. I have no. Idea. I like to pick on you, and it's you know it's playful with your low ratings <laughs> and all that. You know it's. Playful. It really does hurt me though, Joe. But, you, you think it's playful, but it really does. But hurt it's me, like so. you were. Re- you gave this two. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I must have seen something different. Like, like my feet must have cut out halfway. I don't know what the hell. I was when I I got done because then you were like, oh, I loved it, and I was like, all right, whatever, and then some other people were like yeah it was okay and then like as things were trickling out that day i was like oh geez like i'm really on an island all to myself i don't, aren't I don't I? think i've seen a rating lower than four <laughs> for this act. i know i don't and, know and i don't know it did too much for me i don't it was fine i don't know hey, i i like what we like and you did I, yeah it just didn't i don't know <laughs> like, well i'll tell you what i liked about it how about that yeah go ahead because i hated everything <laughs> like, rich just thought this was a two-star special <laughs> Yeah, I just thought it was okay. But yeah, go ahead. Young boy Case Low didn't like it too much either. So there's another okay, guy so. on the side. But I saw, uh, you know, Meltzer gave it like four stars or whatever. I think uh, our pal. Oh, that guy overrates New Japan all the time. He, well, to be fair, I, but, but <laughs> I mean, uh, our, I'm not wrong. Our but, pal yeah. Chad Campbell, I think, gave it four stars. Um, I think I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, he's fair. He's very fair. I gave it so. four stars. Um, so, I, you know, a lot, a lot of people, yeah, I don't know. But here's what I liked about it. Right off the bat, I thought the first five minutes were awesome. These guys were just – there were bodies flying all over the place. It's exactly the kind of flying and carnage I want to see in a junior match. I want to see bodies everywhere. I want to see guys flying all over the place. I want flippy doos, Rich, in a match like this, and that's what they gave me in the first five minutes. Then when the match settled down, I thought they told a great story of the Young Bucks just showing utter contempt and disrespect for David Finley, calling him a young boy. I mean, that's how the match started. They slapped him in the face and called him a young boy. And yeah, and said his dad sucked at wrestling, too. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, and then it settled into that story of David Finley having to prove himself against, the Bucks are just perfect foils for that type of story, too. I mean, you can't get any better than the Bucks. And then Finley took the pin, which I thought was the right call. He should take the pin in that situation. And I think the interesting thing here. And I'm glad you shoehorned it into the review because we were talking back at the office about this. <laughs> is the Young Bucks are the first junior champions, junior tag team champions, to have a second success, to have one successful title defense out of the last five champions. You have to go all the way back to Red Dragons run <laughs> titles to find a situation. <laughs> Juniors anymore. I mean, that's- to, to, to find a situation. Where the champions had a successful title defense, and you have to go back to find the last team that had more than one. You even got to go back further than that. You got to go all the way back to the time splitters <laughs> in 2014 to find the last team before Red Dragon that had multiple successful defenses. This was the second successful defense for the Bucks. Rich, I think that's positive progress for these titles. We're seeing new teams in the mix, and we're two versus twos. It's not multi mans. I love versus it. Versus twos. Seen successful title defenses. I hope that the Bucks hold these titles until Wrestle Kingdom. What do you think about that? 
Uh, yeah, that'd be the best move, I think. You got to stabilize this title. I mean, we it, it became a laughing stock, and and we kind of you know at times we'll say, oh, you, people worry too much about certain titles. They worry about, t-. but this one in particular was just like, why would you care? How could you care? You forgot who the champions were. You know now it's the Young Bucks, and I think that's a good. I, I think it's really, really a great step in the right direction to have that and to establish those titles and establish the Bucks as the true leaders of that division because there was never who, who was the leader of the junior division over the last God four years, Joe. Give me, give me the best team in the junior division over the last four years. Well, it was, it was Red Dragon, but other than them, right? I mean, everybody else had like eight titles, you know, like yeah, everybody else had like six times with the title, and, and they just for, lose them as soon as they win. Yeah, right. I mean, they, yeah. So there was never anything like nobody stood above the pack. Where now there's somebody standing above the pack, and I love the two on two too. I think that I, I, I can't express that enough. We've talked about it for again for like four years, begging. Okay, just do two on two. Just have two teams. Just let these guys kind of go in there and work. And they're doing it now, and I think that's very positive in a lot so of ways. Here's so here's my theory on the box. I think they're going to lose to ACH and Taiji Ishimori in the first round of the junior tag tournament. I think eight set up title shot. I think ACH and Ishimori will then win the tournament. Okay, so that'll neatly, and I think that'll be your match at Wrestle Kingdom. Okay, I think they're going to buck the trend of the four ways. I think that's going to be your Wrestle Kingdom match. I see what you did there, Joe. I, listen, I'm a, I, I'm a clever. I, I'm you're a really clever savvy. Fellow. Wow. I'm a clever. <laughs> I came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really going um, to go over some people's heads. But uh, well, young not Bucks, now uh, since you banged yeah, their I'm heads. Joking. I'm joking. Head. It was going over no one's uh, head. No, it was no head. Yeah, was, no. I try to be, uh, you know, I, I try to. Sneak, yeah, that was real. I yeah, try to was... sneak a dad joke in there and you fucking ruin it. But uh, yes. Yeah, so what dad joke? Oh, I oh that one. I thought you were talking about another dad joke. I thought I thought it was about the New Japan. Okay, go ahead. You just love to stomp all over my humor. I apologize, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think they'll lose in the first round to ACH and Ishimori. I think Ishimori will win the tournament. And I think ty- ACH and Ishimori may win the titles at Wrestle Kingdom. I- I'm going all the way with that tag team. I think they like that team. I think, you know, they won the, the Noah, a similar Noah tournament. Um, and, and, you know, didn't ultimately win the titles, but they did beat the champions twice in that tournament. I think that tournament was a proving ground tournament for ACH, his little Noah run there. Uh, he, New Japan has wanted to book him for years. I know that for a fact. Okay, for years. And uh, there were many reasons why they would not. Um, a lot of it centering around his maturity and some of the mistakes he's made in ROH, missing flights, almost missing flights, showing up to shows without gear. Um, <laughs> you know, that one always gets me. I don't, how do you do that? You know, uh, from Matt, you know, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, I'm here. Ah, oh, damn it. Well, I think, I think he got lost on the flight or whatever. But the point is, it, it's just a whole long string of things with him. And he's in the news again this week. But it's like now he's getting his shot. I know that they like him. They've liked him for years. So I think uh, he, the Noah thing was him proving himself. And I think they're going to push him. I really do. And I, I think they're going to beat the Bucks in the first round. And I think they're going to win the tournament, win the titles. Um, what do you think about that? You think I'm being too uh, heavy handed? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I wonder. Um... Because I should also say, Rich, I don't think this New Japan Noah crossover stuff is going away. Yeah, and I guess that's the big thing that, that that gives me some reservation is that is Ishimori just going to become a part of the new like you know I'm not saying a part like a long term like he's there for life or whatever but I, that seems a little I, I mean it's not totally out of there but he's the one that kind of holds it up for me is like okay is that going to be a guy that you're going to have on your shows is he are they going to defend the titles a few times or is it going to be a one off thing that he does Th- that's my question I, I have no doubt that they can have ACH in there similar to how they had Ricochet in there and you know he does a, a bunch of spots you know comes in for all the big shows does all that sort of stuff but Ishimori I I don't know that part just seems a little weird for me, but it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. I think we finally reached the stage of the relationship where Noah's a feeder. I think we're, we're in the okay. beginning of that. Yeah. 
And that, and that changes everything then. Then uh, there's a, pon- a ton of possibilities that open up, which – and by the way, I'm all on board with that as well if that is the plan. They, so. they, they avoided that for a long time. Um, I, I think we're going to look back because I think the success of Marafuji at the top of the show of the cards and the success of this feud in the mid card is going to only want them to continue this. Um, I think we're going to look back maybe a year from now and say that this was the starting point of where Noah became a feeder. I really think that's what's happening here. Uh, well, I think in particular this show, I think that King of Pro Wrestling show, if it wasn't obvious to you that something's a little bit different about this relationship between the two, this was a very heavy – Noah was a big part of this show. And especially so if it was just – if you just said, okay, just the main event and just that – but the fact that Goshiozaki comes out there and challenges Shibata and we know that it's not – that, and I thought the, the other thing, too, I guess we forgot to mention it again. Uh, you, you sort of gloss over it a little bit is that Yoshizaki comes out, challenges him. And then as he leaves, evil comes in and attacks Shibata. And then they kind of go, oh, I guess evil's going to get the first title shot, letting you know, OK, go is, is Wrestle Kingdom, right? Right. That, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that I mean, that's the obvious direction there. So that lets you know that, OK, it, it, we're, we're still we're building now to matches versus these guys. It, it, now in this year alone, we've had two big time matches built between Noah and New Japan guys. That's significant. That was not happening for a while. And now it is. So I think that's 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 a big deal. Yeah. And we've got New Japan guys crossing over into Noah, too, which we're going to talk about. I mean, and I, we got the time bomb, too. I mean, the time we, we don't, don't know the time, time bomb exactly. that too. So, right, that could be uh, related to it as well. It could be an uh, invasion of Noah guy. For all we know, who knows? I mean, that, that could be that. So it'll be interesting to see. That's just what my foresight's telling me, but uh, we'll see. Now, the IWGP tag team titles, uh, Gorillas of Destiny, as we sort of unfortunately suspected, <laughs> they didn't wait until Power Struggle. They did it here, and they did change the titles. So they do want their champions participating in their tag league, and those champions are going to be the Gorillas of Destiny. Now, I thought this was a two-star special. Uh, I thought it was drab. I thought the Bucks. I thought the Briscoes worked hard. I thought Wait. there were some creative spots. Autoplay. Come on. Autoplay Twitter ads. Okay, go on. Sorry. I thought the Briscoes worked hard. Jack Daniels. I thought the Briscoes worked hard. I thought there were some creative spots, but the match just didn't connect with me, much like it doesn't connect with the live fans. You liked it. You you didn't. I don't think I liked it. No, hold on. I didn't like it. I read it. the review, pal. Okay? You liked it. It's all right. I said this was the best Girls of Destiny match yet. Listen, Rich, if you're you not high if praise, like the match, it's okay. I mean, I'm not. It's, that's not high praise. I'll tell you that. I think give it two stars. It's the same I gave the other one, but that's. I was fine. I don't know. It was the I, to me, it was the best girls of Destiny's match. I thought the Briscoes were awesome here. I, I really thought they were very good. I mean, they, they could have fought broomsticks here, always, and I think they would have at least got it to a certain level. I thought they were bumping up like they're they're bumps that they do in this company. They love being here. You know what I mean? Like they absolutely. I mean, they're doing the doomsday devices on the outside. They're flying all over the place like they work at a different pace in japan as well they absolutely fucking love it so that i think if they were against whoever uh, the briscoes would have gotten two stars out of anybody for this match uh girls they they were fine i guess the finish was like kind of mildly different because uh lao caught uh, uh tonga after the uh, doomsday device yes. so that was kind of cool but uh yeah that, that i mean still 